Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Playing for us, although yeah. I do listen to it as well. But welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. I wanted to let everybody know that if you can't catch the show live, um, you can always rewatch it on Facebook and YouTube. Um, but you can also find it on podcasting apps, so you can listen to it throughout the week. Um, and then you know we have our, our Packers shows on Friday nights, so we you know we are available on. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I'm pretty sure it's on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. It's on it's on pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. So I just wanted to let people know, like, if you miss the first chunk of the show or you have to leave the show early, like a lot of people, you know, um, kind of pop in and out, um, you can listen to the show in its entirety um, pretty much about two hours after the show is over once it gets uploaded. So um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there. So, um Jake, how you doing this week? Good. Feels rushed. I don't know why. Like it's like the long layoff after Thanksgiving, and you just jump right back into life, you know, because you you only work a couple days the first week. So I feel like right. every job is in like, oh, it's the end of the year. It's crunch time mode, you know. So mm. feel feeling rushed is how I feel today. All right. Well, I mean, it's gonna be. There's a lot to talk about this week. There we got. Is. We have the Badgers' final regular season game, and mm-hmm. I have something I want to say on that when we get to the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about Luke Fickle. Uh, there's been a lot of, obviously, information coming out with it. Um, we know some about um, what's going on with, with some of the coaches and stuff, but um, then we got three Badger basketball games and three Bucks games to talk about. So um, Mike is here with us, too. He's our our badger guy that we like to bring on with us. So he's here with us too. So um, up, Mikey? let's go, let's go through the Minnesota game. Um, Jake, I know you and I have our, our three stars and an underrated performer. Um, Mike, I'm not sure if you have that or not, but I'm sure you'll have plenty of thoughts to talk about with the offense and the defense, but um, we kind of just want to recap the game real quick. And we wanted to spend more time talking about the coaching and the future um, than hanging the hats on the loss to the Minnesota golden Gophers and their weird helmets. So, Jake, who is your three stars and underrated performer? 
I told you they were gonna wear funky helmets, man. That's all. That's all they're good for now is wearing weird helmets. Um, my three stars. Wow, this is kind of weird. Um, I picked the punter Andy this week. Um, oh. uh, I thought this was a, a defensive battle for a while, so I thought his field positioning was key. Uh, he had five punts for 215 yards and a 43 yard average. Uh, me and you have talked about how much we appreciate him. He had one kind of shitty one in this game, but uh, he had a long of 50 and two inside the 20. So I thought that was, that was key. I thought he did well. Um, I picked Benton. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Mike. I'm sure you did. You see everything Badgers. Tyler does too, but um, he was kind of snubbed on the, on the all big 10 teams. Yeah, he was. Um, mm-hmm. Was it Evan Floyd that was talking about it? Yeah. Flood it? tweeted Evan that. Flood, yeah. Flood, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was tweeting about it. He was talking about it. So uh, Benton responded to him uh, talking about, you know, He's underrated. He was unappreciated. He said that's what that's what makes him play harder. So uh, I'm not going to lie. I would not mind the Green Bay Packers taking a flyer on him in the draft. Uh, he's definitely a guy that gets a push. I think up he's going to be middle. a day two pick, honestly. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly where I want the Packers to take him because we take a lot of big guys on day two, day three, right? Um, so he might fall right into our laps. Um, then my number one star is kind of becoming my uh, my guy uh, in Jogmeta. Uh, he had 12 mm. tackles, nine solo, yeah. a half a sack, two and a half tackles for loss, and a quarterback hurry. This guy is is a stat line mouthful every freaking week, man. He's just putting up numbers in every single category. So I uh, wanted to give a shout out to him. And I know I I really wanted to pick somebody on offense. So I forced myself to take DK because he scored a touchdown. Um, that was a sick play that he scored on too. Uh, not that we had a lot of receiving yards in this game because uh, the passing game wasn't working very well. Um, rushing game wasn't working very well either. But like I said, he scored that touchdown on that nine-yard double end around. So that was my underrated performer. So I wanted to say hi to Taylor. Taylor's watching us on YouTube this week, apparently taking advantage of uh, other viewing options. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I also had Njong Meta and Kimaray DK on my list. Um, DK did have a couple drops, but like Jake said, he did score the touchdown. I went through like a, an infatuation phase with Injong Meta, like in the middle of the year. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of lost a little bit of his consistency, and now he's picking it back up. Um, and he was probably our best player in the running game, I would say, um, definitely yeah. in the first half. And then I have Keanu Benton as my underrated performer. So... He definitely deserves some attention there. And mm-hmm. as far as the offense goes, I put Isaac Arendo and Ches Malusi filling in for Braylon Allen, who we found out was going to be out about an hour before the game, hour and a half mm-hmm. before the game. And they carried the ball 26 times for 115 yards. I know it's not, that's not a huge yards per carry, but that's over four yards a carry in, you know, like I said, this too, um, it's, Minnesota's defense is pretty close to the Badgers. So, I mean, we can start with the Badgers' offense. Like I said last week, Badgers and Minnesota's have somewhat similar defenses. Um, they're both – actually, they're almost identical in the amount of yards they give up on on passes and rushes. So, it's, it's pretty close. But, um, Jake, I'll let you give some thoughts. I'll give some thoughts, and then I'll give Mike some thoughts because I know he's going to have lots – and lots and lots of thoughts. So, Jake, go ahead. When I think about this game, um, it hurts that we lost to Axe. 
I won't lie. Uh, this is definitely yeah. one of those games that I circle every single year because I want to win it. Not just because of the axe, just because of like, fuck you, Minnesota, you know? <laughs> but when I think about this game, I think of Wisconsin um, with the inconsistency and not taking advantage of opportunities. And I think of Minnesota uh, being a little bit more consistent and taking advantage of the opportunities that they were presented. Um, at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. Um, the total yards. I know we we only had 334 and they had 416. Um, but the passing game was really, really the difference in this game. I know they hit a big long shot at the end, at the end to take that lead uh, towards the end of the game, I should say. And we rushed the ball better, but third downs were very similar. We were five of 16. They were five of 14. Uh, we were one for two on fourth down. They were 0 for one. Uh, the time of possession is very close. The Badgers held the ball for 29 minutes and 43 seconds. That's damn near half the game. So we both had the ball the yeah. same amount of time. Pretty much, like I said, the same on third downs. They took advantage of opportunities that were there, and Badgers did not. So when I think about the offense, and I think about this game in 22, you know, trying to, not trying to get ahead of ourselves, could be the last game for a lot of people in a Badgers uniform. I'm going to think of this game as a game that made us change and turn the corner for the better. That, that's how I'm going to look at it, even though we lost yeah. That's that's certainly once we start getting a little more clarity on on what the coaching staff is going to shape up as, um, mm-hmm. you know, what players are declaring. Like, I'm certainly thinking Nick Herbig is going to be kind of guy to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Oh, Taylor switched over to Facebook. So now we're getting comments on both. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Nick Herbig, to me, is a guy to keep an eye on. He's a junior, so he'll be draft eligible um, mm-hmm. and he'll probably be. My guess would be somewhere around a fifth-round pick, something like that, similar to where Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn kind of went. Um, or does Luke Fickle win over his um, his loyalty and he decides to come back for a senior season? Um, now we're also in the age of the transfer portal where guys don't have to wait a year of eligibility on their first transfer, which um, I will throw this out there as far as the offense is concerned. Chesma Lucy has already transferred once. So Chesma Lucy would have to sit out a year because he's already transferred once. You can only do one-time transfer um, to play immediately. And then if you're again for that, that's when you still have to sit out a year. So I think that's worth mentioning um, as far as, you know, oh, Chesma Lucy might not come back now. Chesma Lucy, he's, he's coming back. As far as this game goes in the offense, the ball, I mean, they, they moved the ball somewhat well here and there. It seemed like almost every other possession that they moved the ball well. Um, mm-hmm. What I want to do is I also want to give, I should have probably put him in my my stars or the underrated performer, but Van Zelst, both of the first two field goals that he kicked, the 40 and then the 43-yard uh, field goals, those were both at the time his longest in his career. Yep. So props to him for making those. I don't think the ball spot on the Mertz slide that ended up putting them um, you know, where behind the stick, I don't like the spot on that, but that's, you know, it is what it is. Mertz made some nice throws in the middle of the, like the middle of the game. And then we got back towards the end of the game where it's in a, in tough spots, but Badgers get a first and 25 situation. They get a play. They get second and 10, another play. They get down to third and three. And then they get um, oh, a huge uh, pass play to Jensen Acker. 
and they convert a first and 25 and you know <laughs> you get to the touchdown and you know people question Graham Mertz all the time Graham Mertz went out there and threw a block on a linebacker so we talk yeah. about leadership all the time Graham Mertz that's that's the stuff that a leader does so I'm, I'm just glad to see that from Mertz I'm I was so bummed that he got hurt on the last drive that he didn't get a chance to try to tie the game for us out of all of the things that Graham Mertz has done this season, that he's, he's struggled mightily in games. He's played really well in other games. He's, he's grown. That's for damn sure that he's grown from last season to this season for him to not get the chance to lead that final drive. I felt so bad. I felt bad for him. Like I'm watching the game and I'm like, I'm cheering for chase Wolf. I'm like, like, come on, Wolf, you know, can we get this, you know, can we get this tied and, you know, try to get into overtime? But, like, the whole time, honestly, I had it in the back of my mind, like, I feel bad that Graham Mertz isn't out there the one, you know, trying to lead the team to the comeback. Um, I don't know. Mike, what are your what are your thoughts on the offense? Uh, yeah, my first comment, I mean, it's more so special teams. Uh, Van Zels was my first call out. I mean, since we couldn't really, you know, execute, you know, in the red zone for the most part, I mean, he – kept us in the game and i mean that's a redshirt freshman making what was that three big time kicks for us on saturday so Mm -hmm. that was my first call out i was kind of nitpicking a a little bit here too because i mean we could have executed a lot better unfortunately the inconsistencies as it has been all season are still there collectively overall but i wanted to give a quick call to the offensive line to my understanding there was zero sacks i believe so i think if you're going to grow off of something last game of the year, the offensive line can look back at this game because Minnesota does have a solid defensive front. Um, you know, I think that's something to look at, you know, going forward. I thought Ches Malusi ran pretty hard too. I mean, he's first coming back from, you know, how many games he missed, like six or what was it? Five or six. Sorry. I thought, you know, he's, he, yeah, he looked pretty good. So I'm looking forward. I mean, I'm assuming he'll still be coming back. Um, he, he did say actually, like two weeks ago, he's coming back. But with this coaching change, you know, right. I'm still hoping he's not going to, you know, jump ship. And I really don't think he will. So, um, you know, I thought he looked good. He's going to be another, you know, hopefully good one-two punch again with Braylon next year. But that's uh, to be determined. Um, those were like, my yeah, those three things. The kicker, the offensive line, giving up zero sacks. And, you know, Chet, Ches running the ball pretty well. I was hoping to see a little more of Garendo get involved too, whether that's, from the running the run game or pass game, but you know, that comes down to sometimes, you know, execution and, you know, consistencies. I mean, that's kind of been the story of this season. I mean, yes, Mertz missed a few throws, but it's not just going to fall on him either. Um, if we're it's talking drop, we're mm, talking from above. Unfortunate. an offensive perspective. I kind of mentioned it in the chat. Q quarter four was my biggest, like, disappointment because and it's kind of been the story of this year when the batters have gotten a close lead they kind of just lay off the, off the gas and don't even try to like make a run at it you can call that play calling or is that a simple ex- execution i think you know could be a combination of both um just when we were sitting with that 16 and 13 lead we had the opportunity to go up you know whether it was six points 10 points um you know, I think it was three or four straight drives. It was a dud, 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 dud. And we ended up punting the ball. So 
Um, that was one of the most disappointing things out of this offense. I was looking, I, I was, you know, keeping my eye on because I know the defense and I'm, I'm going to be talking about it, um, you know, in a little bit here, but I feel, I still think 23 points should be good enough to at least put us right in the mix to win the game or win the game in general for college football. So um, I just thought like execution could have a little been a little bit better and um, yeah. <laughs> um, on your point on the offense, uh, just having leads in general, it's, it's a difference. Be, there's a difference between playing to win and playing to not lose. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how it felt in that fourth quarter. And, um, and, it, and like that's basically that what's that. I feel like we've done that so much too, just as a program, like this is not the first time this has happened before. Um, and I feel like that's what Nebraska was doing against Wisconsin and allowed Wisconsin to come back and beat Nebraska. Yeah. That feels, no, it feels pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Jake, what did you see from the defense? I saw a defense again that was let down by its offense. Like, I'm not gonna, not gonna be positive about it. I'm just gonna be like straight up about it. It's disappointing. <laughs> um, that fourth quarter, I am not gonna lie, was one of the toughest quarters of football I think I've watched in my life. I mean, just literally giving the game away. And in a big conference like the Big Ten, you cannot allow people that many opportunities to tie the game and take the lead because there's too many talented players. Yes, this was the backup quarterback from Minnesota, but he was slinging that shit. And yes, I will say this one point, it took some amazing, crazy catches for for Minnesota to get down the field and to score. But that just goes to show that that shit can happen if you don't have your foot on the gas. If you don't go for it, if you don't be aggressive and the conservative, the conservative uh, nature of Wisconsin football, I feel like it's going to come to an end. I don't want to get, I'm so goddamn excited for Luke Fickle, dude. Like he is about to just, he is about to take this program and just fucking make us some killers. I feel like, and it's about goddamn time and it's nothing against Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy was put in a really, really tough spot, but you know, I feel the same way about Jimmy that Tyler felt about, um, can't think of the last coach's name now, but um, where you said he he was wearing too many hats. Oh, Chris. Yeah, I I feel yeah. that same way about Jimmy in this moment where he's put in a situation in the middle of the season. It's a letdown season. He has to coach the defense. He has to try to earn the head coaching job. I mean, that's too many boxes to check. And then you're trying to win the axe. And, you know, this team's been inconsistent all season long. So, for me, I did see a defense playing with a lot of heart, a lot of effort. Um, at least this at least this defense knew how to tackle. This Wisconsin team knew, knows how to tackle on defense, so that's nice. Um, but you know, they they ended up, they had eight tackles for loss, three quarterback hurries, three sacks. I mean, compared to what Minnesota did, Minnesota only had two passes defense and one quarterback hurry. They didn't have no tackles for loss. I didn't write down tackles for loss, they didn't have many, I believe. But for the Wisconsin defense to be let down like this, that's terrible. I will say the one thing that I don't like is on offense, we averaged 5.8 yards per pass. And on defense, Minnesota averaged 11 yards per pass. That right there is a massive difference. Well, I mean, scoring a 45-yard touchdown will help and some of the deep shots that they hit. Um, But I want to give a little bit of credit. Shamar Melvin checked into this game, 
and went up against Wright, Minnesota's best receiver, and he knocked some passes down. And I will say, um, I think it's it's number nine. I don't remember what his last name is. Um, he made a catch on the sideline. That's that's. There's nothing you could do about that. That's where, like I say, no. the good offense beats good defense every time. Because, like, I think it was Holman, he got up to try to get in, in the way of that ball. Like, he was flying through the air. He was in good position and had his man pinned right up against the sideline. Like, you can't play better defense than that. You really can't. Yeah. Yeah, but a perfect throw and an insane catch, like, that's all you do is tip your cap in that situation. That's just that's just great football. And like I said, I'm a firm believer that good offense beats good defense every time just because there's no, there's no defense for the perfect offense. Um, there is defense for for playing zone coverage and letting a wide receiver run right behind you is not a great recipe for zone coverage. Um, that's what led to the 45 yard touchdown. And that I noticed that right away was that um, I believe it was, I don't remember if it was Smith or Clark. I don't remember either. I don't remember either. Just cause I was like, I think it was, I mean, let me see if I wrote it down. Um, I think it was Alexander Smith. Cause yeah. he made the, he made a really good pass defense on the previous drive. Um, that helped held Minnesota to a field goal. And his man just right behind him. Pass goes right in between him and the safety, and he's just gone. Um, Packers fans know what that looks like because Christian Watson's done it four times in the last three weeks. That's true. <laughs> so it's it's deflating. But, you know, the defense, like Mike said, they did enough that it feels like 23 points shouldn't be an insurmountable amount of points to be able to come back from um, to get it to, to go back to the offense, but to get to first and goal from the five yard line and commit four straight penalties to get yourself first and goal from the 30, like that, I said that to you guys, like, I think that was the most disorganized football I've ever seen. Yeah. That's coaching. I was I was literally my first call, Jake. You made a great point about Jimmy having like the too many hats type thing. I think that last possession in the game literally just defined that comment that you just said right there. I honestly yeah. think like because I mean, hey, when Paul Chris was here, he was the quarterbacks coach. Yeah. Last I, year he was the offensive coordinator and the offensive play caller. In addition, this year he was just the head coach and the quarterbacks coach. But that yeah. could have been like. I know there's a lot of things going into like the new coaching search, obviously, but that last possession could have been like the final demise of like, okay, the organizational part. I mean, this is just, this is a shit show. Start part of my language. Um, no, it, it, say what you feel, man. I, I could not agree with you more on that. That is like the perfect, you know, comment um, in my view. So give credit to Tyler because he gave me the idea. Yeah. And immediately when I'm watching it, the first thing I thought of was Tyler saying he's wearing too many hats. I'm like, Jimmy's not ready for this, man. And it hurts me to say that. It really does. Because I know. I, you know how we all love Jim Leonard. We right? all love him, yeah. We, we love what he means. He he knows what it means to be a Badger. Like, he represents us, like, phenomenally. Look it up in the dictionary, and it's a picture of Jim Leonard. Wisconsin it's him, it's, it's him or J.J. Watt. I'll be honest. It's a tie. 
For me, it's a I'm tie. Okay with that. But if JJ Watt comes back and coaches our D line next year, then it's JJ Watt. Oh, <laughs> oh what ideas in our heads now? Yeah, settle down, man. <laughs> don't get me too excited. But like hey, Taylor, you know, don't you forget it. I'm putting that on the screen. I don't give a shit. You know. <laughs> at the end of the day, when I was watching that last drive, that pretty much, you know, and then I, I heard about Fickle. I was just kind of like, I'm all right with it. After watching that, I was like, okay, we need, I, we need a leader. Mike, you talk about the defense. I'm going to go back in my notes and find out where I talked about maybe the Badgers going for an identity change. Oh, yeah, the defense. I mean, the pot, it looked it looked like it was going to be a complete bloodbath, like right in the beginning, like in the first quarter. They absolutely were torching us. I mean, I think I was messaging you guys like every five minutes, like what, what the hell is going on here? But it seemed like once Herbig came back into the game, the second half, they finally got that jolt that they needed. Finally got their, you know, their shit together. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, they played for about like a good quarter, quarter and a half, half of football and just put us in a position to win, which is what you want as a defense at the end of the day. Unfortunately, we did give up the big plays. And John Torchio, he actually called this out in a press conference after the game. Like they are expecting, you know, run, 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 which I mean, Ibrahim had 27 carries for, you know, 70 yards. So we pretty we did a pretty good job collectively overall with the run yep. game. So, um, you know, that's pretty much, you know, I mean, Ches Malusi had 19 carries for 75 yards. So if you want to put comparison. So, um, no, the run defense for the most part was good. We did give up a, a couple runs, but that, you know, that's a great running back. But, I mean, Torchio called it out straight up, like, after the game. They're like, yeah, we did not expect them to, you know, pass this much against us. So that made it sound like, okay, where you you may just not have been prepared for it or, you know, just going Everybody's into creeping all up constantly. Um, you know, that was one of the biggest oh. things that stood out to me personally because we did get gashed, as you you did say what was it, 11 yards per completion. So um, big plays that we gave up. I mean, it is what it is. But um, at the end of the day, I'm not going to fault this defense for this game specifically. Um, you know, we were in a position to win and at least tie once, if not twice. Um, it just comes down to execution. We did miss some tackles, but Maima, um, like you said, you know, he had 12 tackles. He's starting to come along. Um, we just got to find a way to put it, put it together. And thankfully, you know, we do have a young defense. We got most of the guys, you know, well, knock on wood that will be, you know, coming back next year. And, um, you know, especially our inside linebacking core, I think, you know, these last couple games can be something to, um, you know, build upon because, you know, they're the reason why they're part of the reason why we've been able to at least stay in these games. So, for when I looked back, um, it was after they lost to Washington State that I was asking if the Badgers needed a change in philosophy um, because I believed with this, you know, this play style of run the ball, control the clock, you know, just run tons of plays style of play. Um, what I said then was that I believed that it made them easier to upset. Um, I did say that I do think it makes it easier for them to upset other teams if they can control the game that way. But when when you get into a team like an Ohio State that has such a dominant offense, you have to be able to keep up yep. regardless. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, and like I have said, good offense beats good defense every time. So you can walk into Ohio State with a number one defense and still give up 30, 40, obviously 50 points. But if your offense is predicated on scoring 20, 
doesn't matter how good your defense is. And obviously we saw that with the Ohio State game. Now, when it comes to Luke Fickle, so that's where we're going to go. And this is this is the thing we probably going to be the hottest topic for this week is the hiring of Luke Fickle. Um, to have the support of guys like, obviously we mentioned Evan Flood, um, Travis Beckham, former Badger, Barry Alvarez, to say something like, I think this is a home run hire. I'm excited. Badgers fans should be excited. It's a new era for Badger football is what Barry Alvarez said. It's a new era. Um, for Luke Fickle to come in, 57-18 and 18 at Cincinnati, including out of those 18 wins or 18 losses, sorry, eight of them came in his first season in 2017. So 4-8 and eight in 2017, 11 and two in 2018. Now I'm not saying I expect the Badgers to go four and eight next year because I don't, but I'm gonna say give it a year at least, you know, and not be, you know, <clears throat> say the Badgers start out two and three again, and people are like, oh, we need to fire Fickle just like we fired Paul Christ. It's not gonna be the same thing. Obviously, it's gonna take some time just to get everything going the way that Fickle wants to and has his vision and stuff, which is obviously something that Chris McIntosh said like four thousand times. That they yeah. have the same vision for the program. Yeah. Uh, but you get to 2021. Cincinnati beats number nine North uh, Notre Dame, number 21 Houston. They go 12 and 0. They get ranked up to number four. And they lose to Alabama in the playoff. Basically, Luke Fickle did everything at Cincinnati that we want to do at Wisconsin. He won. He won more. He won a bunch. Then he went to the playoff. Obviously lost, but being in the playoff of the top four teams in the entirety of college football is where the Badgers want to be. And then I want to say this. I did mention that Barry Alvarez gave this hiring like his stamp of approval, but I think that this hiring says more about Chris McIntosh than it does about Jim Leonard. And the reason I believe that to be the case is that Chris McIntosh, he's been the athletic director since July of last year. So not even a year and a half that he's been the athletic director. This is basically his first opportunity. Like firing Paul Chris was was the first, I should say, uh, because that's that's less of an opportunity but more of an adjustment to make in the program. But this was Chris McIntosh's first opportunity to decide the type of athletic director he was going to be when it comes to the football program. And he said, we're not just going to keep doing the same things that we've been doing and expect a different result. We're going to do something different and expect a different result. That's what this says to me. Um, And that's where I believe that this signals an identity shift in the program. And that's where I think a lot of the optimism related to this hiring comes from. So, Jake, give me your thoughts first on the Luke Fickle hiring, and then we'll get into what we think it means for Jim Leonard and beyond. First of all, get off my notes because I have a reference where I compare it to NFL teams. So I'll start with that. So when a team hires a new GM, what's usually the first thing that happens? He brings his coach in and they get their quarterback, right? That is the foundation of NFL rosters. Obviously with the Packers, you have a former MVP who became you know, a two-time MVP again, but he brought his coach in. Right. That's what happens Um, with McIntosh. He said, all right, well, he's not the guy 
Uh, gave another guy a chance. He's not the guy. All right, I'm going to get my guy. He goes and gets Luke Fickle. You got the and best guy. Yeah. When when he went out and he got Fickle and seeing how giddy he was on that stage, I was like, oh yeah, he this was his fucking target. And none of us saw this coming. I'll say that right now. Um, yeah, Sunday came like out of nowhere. Yeah, all of a sudden I was like, Luke Fickle. I was like, what? No way he's leaving Cincinnati. He's got like he's he has it down there. Like they were on an upward trend like this, right? Yeah. And I wrote down the AP high. My daughter's losing her shit right now, if everybody can hear that. <laughs> um, I wrote down the AP high and the AP post for from 2017 to 2022 for the Wisconsin Badgers and Luke Fickle while he was at Cincinnati. So in 2017, they were not ranked the entire season. They went 4-8. Post, they were not ranked. In 2018, this is Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. They got up to number 19. They got up as high as 19, and they finished the season ranked 24. So we'll do 2017-2018 for the Badgers. In 2017, the Badgers were really fucking good, by the way. Um, they got all the way up to number three, and they finished the season ranked number seven. In 2018, they got all the way up to number four. They finished the season not ranked. 2019-2020, right? Cincinnati gets all the way up to number 17, and they finish at 21st. In 2020, they got all the way up to number six. And they finished the season ranked number eight. I would love for that to happen for Wisconsin. I'll say that right now. So 2019-2020 for the Badgers, right? 2019, they got all the way up to number six. They finished the season ranked 11th. 2020, they got up to number nine. They finished the season unranked. By the way, that's a trend that's going to start. In 2021, obviously, me and Tyler talked about it, I know. Cincinnati got up to number two. I think I would shit my pants if Wisconsin got to number two right now. Right? <laughs> in 2021, who's, they finished. Who's number one in that situation if the Badgers get up to number two? Who's number one in that situation? Because I think that's a really interesting question. Probably like a Bama or somebody, I would say. I mean, the three teams that I think of are Alabama, Ohio State, or Georgia. But I mean, we're not to get off topic, but Michigan might be taking over. I'm just saying right now. Michigan, they, they got two Ohio recruits that were at the game for Ohio State to flip to Michigan on that game. Real quick, day. on that subject. Yeah. When when the Badgers got Luke Fickle and trying, I'm you know I'm trying to read as many things like as rapidly as I can on Sunday to try to figure out you know what what his deal is. The number of Ohio State fans in there punching the air because they wanted Luke Fickle at Ohio right. State. <laughs> oh my God! It was it was funny to watch. <laughs> okay, if they if they want to fire Ryan Day for losing one game a year literally jump off a cliff. That's all I'm going to say. So <laughs> let's go back to the Badgers real quick. Um, in 2021, they they got all the way up to number 12, finished the season unranked again. So this year we got we were as high as number 18. We're going to finish the season unranked. I didn't right. write down the AP post for Cincinnati because if they win their bowl game, they'll probably finish ranked. But four of the last six seasons, the Wisconsin Badgers have finished the season unranked. That should make you fucking sick because it makes me sick. I don't want that like anymore. Indiana. I don't like I, it. I, I, I want to be ranked. And two of the last three seasons, including this season, Cincinnati's finished the season ranked in the top 10. Yeah. Give me that. Give me a guy, Luke Fickle, that knows how to coach, the that knows how to lead men. Conference. Yeah. I mean, 
and, and for all the people that are talking about, oh, but that was a Cincinnati. This guy was a successful defensive coordinator at Ohio State. They were they were dominant for years when he was there. If he's a former player, he understands what it's like to to go to battle. I am so goddamn excited. I feel like the Badgers have a fucking man in charge. Mm, yes. I mean, there was yeah. <laughs> there was times where I'm watching Paul Chris and I'm like, is this guy just watching the game like me? Like, does he think he's on his couch right now? There was no fire. And then with Jimmy, the players were playing hard because they loved him. And I love that so much. I would have played hard for Jimmy too if I was in their shoes. But God damn it, we need a we need a head coach. Yes. You could tell. And Luke Fickle is a head coach. This guy has groomed himself into a great leader of men. And I could not be more happy. I did not see this coming. And this, I had one of those feelings where you're just like pleasantly surprised. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, Sunday's good. Even if the Packers lose, you know? Yeah, yeah. That yep. was that overshadowed everything. <laughs> yes. And like last night's basketball game. Yep. 100%. Oh, man. There was, there was a brief moment on Sunday when the Packers took the lead. The Bucks were beating the hell out of the Mavericks. And we got Luke Fickle. And I'm like, Wisconsin sports feels good today. We're on the upswing, right? Well, I, I believe we are on the upswing, even yes. with some of the things that are happening with all of the sports teams. I agree. Um, but, so, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on Luke Fickle. I want to ask you guys separately about what you guys think it means for recruiting, but just give me your general thoughts first, and then we'll talk about recruiting and Jim Leonard yet. Okay, yeah. Um, You were talking, Tyler, you were talking about earlier about, like, player support. Uh, J.J. Watt was another one of those guys as well. Uh, he's made that clear. And Travis Beckham... Uh, the former yeah. um, yep. he's been in the league uh, for a long time. He was another one of those guys that's um, on board with this decision. Yep. Uh, the biggest call out, I think, out of all of this is you guys kind of mentioned it, but straight up, Chris McIntosh put his nuts on the table in front and made this decision. <laughs> like his nuts are all <laughs> you see Twitter. Um, I'm in the Twitter space. I'm paying attention to all of this. And the amount of meltdowns you will see, whether it's from Badgers alumni or long, you know, long-term season ticket holders about like how like this process went down and you just see them go off about the whole process in general. I can only imagine how much scrutiny Chris McIntosh has been, has did get for this decision, you know, not doing it the Wisconsin way, so to speak, um, how, of how traditional we are. Um, I just like the backlash that I did see out of all this from, you know, from those, you know, types of people, it's just been unreal. And, um, you you know, Luke Fickle, like you guys said, you know, he was, he was not in our, our leaderboards, you know, when we did that segment or two, like, segment. when Paul Chris got fired and we each gave three candidates, he was not on any of our lists. No. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't think we probably did not see this coming because we were kind of, you know, I'll be the first to admit, like, I, you know, you asked me, I bet he would be the first guy in line to take that potential Ohio State job should it come up. So it's like, oh, what do you, you know, he turned down enough jobs. He turned down, what was it, USC, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, LSU, Michigan uh, State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan State, even most recently as well. So, um, you know, for him to think about like, oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. But I'll take the Wisconsin job, you know. Um, he used one, the word perfect. He used that word. Yes. Uh, Evan Flood put it in a great way, too. I thought he said, uh, this is option 1A or 1B. And 
you know, if it's between him or Jim Leonard, you got to go with one A, and that is Luke Fickle. Um, you know, I'm going to go, Jake gave the stats. I'm going to go off of like some of the stuff he said, you know, in, in his intro press conference that, you know, definitely got me, you know, somewhat juiced. Um, first off, what the first call out I would say, he did clearly state that with college football, it is all about the guys up front. Um, that is Wisconsin football for the most part to a T. Um, so I, I definitely got jacked up about that. McIntosh probably had a boner when he said that too. Uh, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I think, you know, he's putting his nuts on the line fickle in this comment as well. Um, as far as expectations go, um, he's saying straight up, we're playing for championships. Um, I think, you know, that's, I don't think that's a bad expectation to have as a, you know, as a Wisconsin coach. However, I do think, you know, I think a lot of fans are going to be like, okay, yeah, I see this comment. How soon is this happening? So um, I think making, you know, those kinds of comments, it gets you fired up because I will say he's a guy that knows how to conduct a room. Um, you, you got, you kind of touched base on it, but um, you know, already it doesn't take long to hear some of the stuff he says. And it's like, all right, I'm listening, you know, I'm locked in. Let's go. Um, the 300 mi mile radius comment when it comes to recruiting, I mean, for the most part, some of the like some of the absolute best players that have come through the Wisconsin program are locals, you know, within the state or, you know, right outside of it. So um, he fits that sort of philosophy that um, I think we're looking for. And that's the one thing I personally wanted to hear in regards to, you know, as far as recruiting goes. And we're going to touch base on that shortly. Uh, his his uh, standards when it comes to transfers. He's made it clear, and we're kind of on the same page, I, I feel like, on this with Wisconsin. We don't accept transfers that easily. Like, you have to fit the perfect, you know, criteria in order to get into the program. So he's all about play, player development. And I think, once again, that's what Wisconsin football is. And I yeah. think, you know, yeah. those are the biggest things that, you know, McIntosh has obviously looked at. Um, and I just think at the end of the day, he's just going to emphasize all, all those steps and go way above and beyond with his recruiting. He's been, you know, noted by many, many assistant coaches and uh, from other walks of life that he is a great recruiter, no matter what state he has walked into. Um, it could be, I think, I forget who said this, but you could send him to Maryland for the first time ever, and he'll come out with a relationship from, you know, from the head football coach from the high school that, you know, uh, you're recruiting at. So, um it sounds like he's going to be a great recruiter. Um, I think that's a great goal to have with the whole 300 mile radius thing. Plus you got the state of Ohio. Um, Ohio state doesn't take all Ohio kids. There's going to be plenty of fish out there for us to, you know, catch. I feel and especially like, yeah. once we get into 2023 when UCLA and USC are going to be in the big 10 and there's going to be California kids watching big 10 football. Yep. And that's not, <laughs> it's not really a, a far stretch of the imagination to say that the USC and UCLA will be in the big 10 West mm -hmm. um, where the Badgers currently reside. So the Badgers yeah. are going to be playing UC, UCLA and USC probably every season. Correct. Um, I was just going to make one more, one more point. Ahead. I think he was, he just wants to, he's holding himself accountable too. I think, you know, based off of all these comments uh, just as much as McIntosh, I mean, yeah, they're buddies. They come from the same cloth. They both got Rose Bowls. They both have, they're both academic, all Americans. You know, they got some of the same stuff going on. They're both linemen. Yep. Uh, so they got some of the same, 
mentality, I think, when it comes to, you know, certain things in college football. You know, it's all about the line. It's all about up front. So, um, you know, I, I'm super excited for this. You know, it's going to – it still pains me a little bit, a little bit that Jim Leonard didn't get the job. But, um, you know, Jake Nitt gave us all, all the stats with, like, his history. Um, his recruiting, you know, historically has been great no matter – what kind of room he walks into. So um, I think he's just going to em- emphasize, you know, especially the recruiting part of things. And that's really going to get us maybe to the top of the mountain, if not over it. So before we, before I really, I want to, I have some of the recruiting class rankings that I want to go through, but <laughs> I want to say two things before I bring those out. Mm-hmm. First it is entirely possible and reasonable to be excited for Luke Fickle and bummed for Jim Leonard at the same time. 100%. You can you can have both. You can't, you know, it's not that you can only choose one. Like you can't be excited for Luke Fickle and that automatically means that you hate Jim Leonard. That's not how it works. And it's not mm-hmm. that you can't, you know, wish Jim Leonard would have gotten the job. And that means you can't be excited for Luke Fickle. Like you can have both. You can have both. And I'm going to say this on Friday night too, when we get into Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, but that's a different discussion for a different day. The other thing I want to say is when we, when I mentioned that I believe that this is going to signal an identity shift for the program is not only with the recruiting, but also with the style of play. So you look at the Wisconsin way, the quote unquote, the Wisconsin way, like I said, keep doing the same things you've always done and expecting different results. Eventually you got to throw a wrench in that plan. And the new athletic director is throwing that wrench in that plan. Wisconsin this season ran the ball on, on 58% of their plays and passed on 42%. Cincinnati passed the ball on 53% of the plays and ran on 47%. I think Wisconsin's probably going to fall almost exactly like 50-50, like right in the middle there. But, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, just for the sake of of wanting to see something different as far as Badgers offense is concerned, I almost mm-hmm. want to go, like, the Badgers to go, like, full air raid. I just, <laughs> I just want opposing teams to be scared of Wisconsin's offense. Not just, all right, they got a bunch of 300-pound dudes and they're going to run at us 45 times. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that because it's – you know, it's Wisconsin football is to to have all the big guys, which I think they will still do. But I want to see those big guys pass blocking a little more often and to have, you know, an offense that it's like, shit, we got to play the Badgers this week. Like they're good on offense and defense, not they're good on defense and okay sometimes on offense. I agree That's with that. That's I want to change. Now, oh, man, this is ugly. Um. All right, so first of all, Cincinnati put nine guys in the draft in 2022. Nine. That's crazy, bro. third behind Georgia and Alabama. Think about that. Cincinnati. Yeah, have we ever done that? Nine guys in one year? I don't know. Maybe if if you include undrafteds, but I don't think we've ever had nine guys drafted. What about the year we had Erasmus James? Remember when that whole defensive line got drafted and Erasmus James went in the first round? I'm just going to Google it. Yeah, because nine dudes, that is absolutely insane. Obviously, you've got the SEC schools, but. And and Sauce Gardner was like a top five pick. Mm -hmm. 
I want a Sauce Gardner playing for the Badgers, bro. Yeah, he's already said that uh, Fickle uh, reached out, out to him uh, and said, hey, you're part of the reason why, you know, I'm in this position. Thank you so much. And I guess he's going to visit Madison at some point in the future. Oh, um, Madison's got the sauce. <laughs> Badgers had five drafted in 2022. I mean, the thing about the lineman thing, I just want to touch on that real quick, Tyler. Yes, I love that we have big maulers and we can just fucking run over you like monster trucks, but I would like a, a blend of guys that could, you know, hit you in your mouth and also guys that could be a little bit finesse. I mean, I think that would be a nice change of pace for the Badgers. Um, yeah. I think Fickle's going to – man, the possibilities. I mean, my mind is just going insane with all the possibilities, man. And I'm trying to like – I'm trying to temper my expectations for year one because I know there's going to be a learning curve. I mean, that's just right. God given, right? Pain. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna happen, but <clears throat> the possibilities of like imagine the Badgers being like a number four and facing Ohio State in in early November and Ohio State's number two. Like, I am excited for that. I am fucking excited for that, dude. Like, I I just I don't even like I care if we win. Dude, obviously, I'm not gonna imagine, say that, but oh, just being dude, in that position. Oh, go ahead. Awesome. All right, go ahead. That's all I'm going to say. Just being in that position is what I'm excited for. I was just going to say, imagine imagine number eight USC and number nine Wisconsin going at it on, yeah. under some Saturday Night Lights. I think and Madison, bro. Oh, <laughs> oh man, man, that's exciting to think about. I'll so, tell you, th- those, those California teams versus us, that's going to be fucking interesting, man. And I know – I know the national media now that Michigan is what it is, and they're kind of back now. I would say they're back. Um, Michigan, Ohio State versus those, you know, versus USC. Those are going to be some fucking games, man. Like just those as a football like, fan, those are going to be like NFL light games. Yeah, those are going to be awesome. I mean, Harbaugh has Michigan playing so goddamn tough, and obviously Ohio State is Ohio State. They're going to get a bazillion five stars. USC looks like they're on that trend, and UCLA is kind of like kind of like a Wisconsin, I would say, where every once in a while they just pop into the top ten. You're like, damn, they're kind of good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the possibilities, you know, with them coming over that, and if Notre Dame comes over, boy, we about to run shit. Because no, I mean, be like it's gonna basically be a power two. It's not gonna be power five conferences anymore. It's gonna be power two. Oh yeah, it's gonna be the Big Ten. It's gonna be the SEC. That's I can't it. wait to pick on Notre Dame fans now because they're so fucking soft. They're like cowboy fans in college, dude. I'm I'm excited for that. We get them at Ambo. I don't think it's next season. It might be the season after 2024. Keep in mind, yeah. Luke Fickle um, will have this this train running smoothly by then, boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so of the nine guys that Cincinnati put in the draft last year, they had one top five pick, which was Sauce mm-hmm. Gardner. They had two second round picks and three third or two third round picks. That's really good. Yeah. Five of their nine were selected in the first three rounds of their draft. That's that's pretty. Those are good fucking football from Cincinnati. Players. Yeah. So Sauce Gardner, uh, Myjay Sanders, Alec Pierce. I mean, the Packers have one in Josiah DeGuara, who was drafted a couple years ago. But Brian Cook, Kobe Bryant, all these guys are in the NFL. Uh, Alec Pierce is third on the Colts in receptions this season as a rookie. Obviously, mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner's. I would say you might as well already crown him as the defensive player of the year for rookies. Um, He's kind of already like far and run away with that. But 
put five guys in the first three rounds from a non-power five school. And here's here's the kicker: something that we always struggle with. Two of those five are corners. Mm, think that about that. Ball out. Yeah. Yes. Think about that with with the big guys and the pressure that we can create with our front seven. Imagine some lockdown corners. Mm-hmm. We really fuck some shit up. Yeah. <laughs> I I tooted my horn about if there's always one thing we can fix, it's always the damn sec. It's the secondary in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our safety play has been pretty solid this season. Yeah. Um, Kamoi Latu kind of came out of nowhere. He That's was backing up Hunter Wohler, but yeah. and then Wohler came back and he played pretty decent. And then we had the ball hawk, uh, John Torchio running around. But so, man, this is this is the painful part. So this yeah. is according to twenty four seven Sports. It's a branch of CBS Sports. Uh, Their recruiting rankings for 2022 had Cincinnati at 42, Wisconsin at 44, which is fine. 2023, they have Cincinnati at 27, Wisconsin at 62. It gets worse. Sorry. Rivals had Cincinnati at 44, Wisconsin at 46 for 2022. For 2023, they had Cincinnati at 26, Wisconsin at 64. All of that's not good. It gets worse. (laughs) Oh, no. ESPN for 2023 has Cincinnati at 27, Wisconsin at 85. No fucking way. Was that before, like, two two of their recent commits just decommitted? Like I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. This was I think it was from November. So it was uh it was about three weeks ago that the article that I read was was written from the rankings that I got. So that worse. <laughs> I'm really sincerely hoping that those that those flip with, with fickle coming over. Right. Um and that the Badgers can make a big jump in recruiting for twenty twenty three. I don't expect it like we said, we don't expect all of this to happen instantly. But I mean, if we can make a dent in that gap, I would be happy. Even if, I mean, just to get into the top 50 for recruiting would be a 30-plus jump as far as, at least as far as ESPN's rankings go. But, I mean, 24-7 sports had Badgers at 62 and Rivals had them at 64 for next year. So, mm. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in recruiting. So, Jake, uh, Mike, you kind of touched on a little bit of recruiting stuff a little bit, but what what does the Luke Fickle hire mean to you guys as far as recruiting goes? Well, shit. You just shifted everything in my brain with those fucking numbers, I'll tell you that. But um, hearing that he's bringing his – I believe it's his top two recruiters over, that is – that is wonderful. And that's what I was going to hit on is he's he's bringing his boys over. You know his, his trusted henchmen, as I'll call them right now, the guys that do the dirty work and, and make the the product in the field look a little bit prettier with getting all these athletes. Um, I was actually diving into their the recruiting class coming in, and they have a bunch of they have a four star quarterback and you know a four star tight end. I believe was that one of them that decommitted, Mike? Oh, one of the guys that decommitted was a corner wide receiver. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's was a four star and it's so far, but. That's the one I saw. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. So a little story time. I was taught we were painting a, a place 
and I was talking to one of the workers because I had asked for the garbage, blah, blah, blah. And we started talking about Badgers because the, the fickle news just came out. And this was on Monday. And I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of hoping that four-star quarterback can be flipped. And here's how fucked up our, our, our fan base is. He's like, we meant nothing with Mertz. I'm just like, all right, I am never talking to that human ever again. I want to throw you in the garbage right now. He might watch <laughs> one game a month. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's he probably like, watched the Ohio State game and the like the Iowa game. It's gonna be it's gonna be such a different scenario. So to bring up a player that has had a number of different offensive coordinators, a number of different coaches now, um, number of different players he's played with, offensive lines, running backs, wide receivers. The scenarios that Mertz has been thrown into is just unfair to compare him to anybody else, right? So that's just what I want to say about that situation. And he's still improved. Don't do that, okay? You just you just sound dumb when you don't give context to what you're saying, okay? You Take like everything into consideration. Yeah. Um, but if we can get some quarterback recruits, if we can start getting some skill position recruits, because we talked about the Wisconsin way, and holy shit, am I sick of tired of having that conversation. I'll tell you that right now. The Wisconsin way, the Wisconsin way. It ain't fucking working. Okay. Yeah. Correct. I'm sorry. I mean, your your stats of when they started ranked and finished unranked that tells you like the Wisconsin way, like it it needs it's to change. Working. You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting something different. The same old people that all have all the season tickets. If you're watching, I apologize. They're the reason the Packers don't have cool uniforms. They're the reason the Badgers don't yeah. do cool stuff with their uniforms. And I know that stuff doesn't matter, but let me tell you, to an 18 year old kid that goes on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and he sees Oregon with all these cool uniforms and, you know, Ohio state and Michigan and all these other teams. And they come up with all these cool alternate uniforms that shit matters. So all this a hundred year old shit that happened all these years ago, and we were winning all these games and all this shit. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay. It's not the early nineties. So we need to adapt to new times and Luke Fickle talked about change and kind of started making me think about myself. Like, damn, man, I need to be more accepting with change, man. Like, I, I'm stuck in a rut, you know? He started talking to me. But we need to – we needed to adapt and we needed to get with the times. Um, the recruiting thing, I think that's just going to happen. I think, you know, when I was listening to Luke Fickle talk and Mike talked about it, this is a guy that can control a room, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine this guy coming in. You're a 17-year-old kid. You're undecided. Yeah, that guy's going to talk me into coming to Wisconsin. That's just how I feel about it. Plus, his top two recruiters are there, man. Obviously, they know how to spot some talent. They know how to get guys that fit his system. So um, I am not at all worried about uh, the the recruiting side of Luke Fickle. Mike, you got any recruiting thoughts on on Fickle? Uh, It's just like putting the emphasis (laughs) on it, like how much of a commitment. It's not just him. Like McIntosh even made it clear um, in the press conference, yes, we are going to give – Fickle these resources. We do have. He made it clear we we're going to have brand new facilities going yeah. up in a couple of years. Like Jake said, uh, with the Oregon stuff, that shit matters. Mm-hmm. So, um, just making those kinds of commitments because I mean, you you've heard it for the last year when Paul Chris was at the realm. How much like the recruiting department? We can debate about this, whatever. Um, that it was like uh, neglected a little bit. Like they they clearly could have put more time into like some of these kids or put some more extra time into recruiting, you know, just in general. Um, There was an article, like, I think it was right around last season where there was one kid that ended up committing to Michigan, actually, 
that visited Wisconsin one day and not one like recruiting person knew who this kid was. So it's just, you know, putting a huge, huge emphasis from um, just knowing who your players are and from like a recruiting budget standpoint. Um, you know, if you take in comparison to the Big Ten, I'm pretty sure we're, we're definitely bottom half when it comes into using more resources and money to, you know, get out there and recruit, you know, you know, kids to come to the university. So I think along with like his, I th- and I think that salary that Pickle's going to get, because it's like a $3 million raise. It's like seven points or 7.7 per year. 7. I think, starts you know, at 7.5 and gets as high as 7.8, I believe I saw. Yeah. So I think, you know, when I think that's obviously some more substantial than what Chris made or Jimmy when he was interim, whatever. I think just like starting with that definitely says like, hey, Wisconsin's all about the football program now. Like, we want you. Come here. We're going to give you this. And then I think going along with like that interview process, like Fickle had to have asked about like, okay, what kind of resources am I going to have? I want this, this, and this if I'm even going to even, you know, come to Wisconsin. And he's made it clear not only with like bringing in two recruiting specialists, he's bringing in his top dog with strength strength and conditioning as well. Mm-hmm. Or case in point, we just put in nine guys in the NFL. So I think that's one guy that you want to, to want to, you know, listen to when it comes to, you know, um, you know, getting big and strong for, uh, to put on for the boys. So <laughs> and I think Jake mentioned it too. We have to adapt. I we've mentioned it on previous segments before we've been kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to, that sort of thing. And um, I just think too, part of like the, with the interview process, I'm willing to bet Macintosh was like, okay, I know I love Jimmy, but I think he's coming from, you know, he might have too many Paul Christ, you know, similarities when it comes to that sort of thing. Cause it has actually been, um, I I have seen like through the Twitter sphere as well, that when it comes to recruiting, Jimmy didn't necessarily bring in, um, didn't actually like be like the head recruiter on some kids. That was more so of like the Bobby April's, um, you know, D-line coach, etc. So I think just with like Fickle, with his recruiting background in general, that's what I'm most excited about. He gets out in the grindstone. He goes, you know, yeah, he just puts in a lot of time um, and effort into it. So just a huge, huge emphasis from a budget standpoint and the amount of, you know, potential associates that will be working in the recruiting department. That is like, I'm so, so looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I want to bring up with the Luke Pickle hiring is what we what we think about Jim Leonard. Now, we've said this, and I'm sure all three of us are going to echo this again, that Jim Leonard is what it means to be a Badger. And like I said, too, we can be excited for Fickle and still want the best for Jim Leonard, preferably outside the Big Ten, <clears throat> um, just so that you know we don't have to coach against them and, and hope that things don't work out for him at least once a year. Um, personally, the example that I gave was, was for Jim Leonard to go the Dave Aranda route and, you know, get a job in another conference and, you know, have success just not here. Um, because what it does sound like is that, um, in addition to all the guys that Mike mentioned, he's bringing along, it does sound like he's bringing along his co-defensive coordinators. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's bringing along his offensive coordinator or not. I didn't see anything about that I, I heard he's actually going to interview for the cincinnati head coaching job correct that's um, yeah we're seeing the same things there yeah so bottom line he's bringing his co-defensive coordinators one i believe is the linebackers coach and the other one i believe is the db coach so we were just talking about corners and safeties 
Like those are the guys you want coming along with him. If Jim Leonard isn't being able to, or isn't able to can to be convinced, which uh, Mike let us know today that those two were supposed to have another meeting. Um, they met on Friday, apparently. Uh, <clears throat> and then McIntosh basically said that um, him and Fickle see the world the same way and said the decision on Jim Leonard is between them. So it's basically going to be up to Fickle to try to convince Jim Leonard to stick around. And, <clears throat> you know, it's so this is the exact quote. McIntosh said it's between them. I don't know if it could happen. He said, if it could, probably only under someone like Luke who has gone through it himself. So Luke Fickle in 2012 was the interim head coach for Ohio State. And then after uh, when um, Urban, was it Urban Meyer that was brought on at Ohio State then? I believe so. Yes. <clears throat> Luke Fickle went back to his position as co-defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So he's got the experience of being in a position, going to interim, and then going back to that position. So if anybody can convince Jim Leonard to do that, it's going to be Luke Fickle. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> like I said, with, it, with the guys that he's bringing along, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. And I'm going to put this out there right now. If Jim Leonard leaves, be prepared for others to follow. Um, one guy that I'm going to throw out right away is going to be at the top of the list of people to keep an eye on is going to be Braylon Allen. I'm, I don't want that to be the case. And obviously like Luke Fickle is going to talk to him before it gets to that point. Um, the first time that players can start entering the transfer portal and transferring is December 5th is the, the first day that they can do that. So that is going to be a day to keep an eye on here in the next week is December mm-hmm. 5th. That's Monday. That's the first day the guys can start transferring. Braylon is going to be the first one to keep an eye on if Jim Leonard is gone. Um, Nick Herbig is probably going to be another one to keep an eye on, whether it means that he goes to a different school or to the NFL. But we have to be prepared for that to happen, for guys to transfer because Jim Leonard isn't going to be here, Um, mainly on the defensive side of the ball because that's where those guys have some of those stronger relationships. Mm -hmm. Those guys are some of the ones that were more outspoken on Jim Leonard not getting the job. Now. What I want to say when it comes to that is I'm also, you know, it would be bummed to lose some of those guys, especially a guy like Braylon Allen, but I'm also equally as excited for who it means comes here because of Luke Fickle. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about all the coordinators that he's potentially bringing with him. What about some of those players? Like you mentioned the four-star quarterback. What if he follows Luke Fickle to Wisconsin? Caleb Williams followed Lincoln Riley to USC, and now he's going to win the Heisman this year. Probably yeah, yeah. I think he he's I think he's clear cut number one right now. In my view, I, yeah, I agree. Um, so you know that's the type of situation we're talking about here. Where I mentioned those higher recruiting ranks for Cincinnati. Just just grab a handful of them on your way out, Fickle, and bring them over. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your guys' thoughts, Jake and Mike, what this means for Jim Leonard, and and we'll we'll call it there, but. Go ahead. I'll keep this short and sweet. Um, I've said this for a while. Um, I usually say it about the NFL, but it, it can translate to all levels of sports, football, mainly. Some guys are just not head coaches. Um, the first guy I think of, uh, I've had a ton of conversations about the Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels. That guy's not a head coach. Yep. 
He is a he is a brilliant offensive coordinator. Um, he went to Denver, obviously failed there. Went back to New England, and he was successful with game. Our coach, oh, he was he was successful. Yeah, I know. Um, he was successful with multiple coaches, uh, multiple quarterbacks. Um, now he's the coach of the Raiders, and obviously you're seeing the mess that is the Oakland Raiders. That yeah, have two wins in a row, and everybody's like, oh, Packers don't have two wins in a row. Give me a break, okay? I mean, they they won in overtime the last two weeks. They easily could have lost both of those games. Right. Um, but some guys are just not meant to be head coaches. Matt Patricia, I'm I'm not trying to talk shit. I just don't see Jimmy as a head coach type. I think he's one of those guys that could be an elite coordinator. He could be an elite defensive coordinator, and that's not a bad thing to say. That's not a bad thing to be either. Um, if you're if you're a specialist, if you're a specialist at something, just be a specialist at it. Jimmy, if you're listening, if this gets to you some way somehow, you love you love Madison. You literally turned down the Green Bay fucking Packers, dude. The Green Bay Packers. And I know you love Madison, but, dude, the Packers, you turned them down because you love Madison to stay the D coordinator. Now, I know you might have some hurt feelings, but I need you to look in your heart. And I need you to make this decision, you know, as true to yourself, as pure to yourself as you can. The best decision for Jim Leonard is to stay as a D.C. of the Wisconsin Badgers. I firmly believe that. I do think that he's going to leave, though. And I don't think it has anything to do with who Fickle is bringing along. I think he's going to put it – he's going to put his heart over his head. That was a real, ahead, Mike. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that was a really, really good closing point. I didn't even, I didn't even write anything down, dude. That was <laughs> that straight was from, from the heart. That was from the heart. Yeah, that yes. that whole that whole spiel. That was from the heart. Um, mm-hmm. No, I mean, in this whole process, we're excited for Luke Fickle, but don't get like, let's get something straight here. This whole process has been very, very bittersweet. And when you keep thinking about mm-hmm. like the moments with like Jimmy, it's really, really bitter at times for me when you think about it. Um, you know, he's like the, you know, the poster boy, the poster child, poster boy for Wisconsin football from little Tony, Wisconsin came in as a walk on, you know, you, you got, you guys know the story two time, all American, you know, he's mm-hmm. literally the poster child for the university. Um, and I think this just, just goes back to what I was kind of saying before, like you have to, you have to hire the guy who's been around the program his whole life. You know, he, he knows it better than anybody else, but I mean, with and with having that conversation with Luke Fickle, I do think you know, from that kind of perspective, you do know Fickle's going to put like keep that in mind too. I mean, not just with like his history, but maybe also with recruiting, he can probably help out with a lot of in-state kids to you know, mm-hmm. or at least get him accustomed to some of those top high school coaches within state. You know, at least to like introduce them to like you know the coach from Arrowhead or DePier or whatever, or whatever et cetera. Um, that's just another big thing that I think he could bring to the table if he's as DC. That being said, that conversation, you know, we've already, I think, heard about the kind of scheme that Cincinnati does run. It is different from Jim Leonard. We need to keep that in mind as well. Who knows if they can come to some sort of uh, consensus on that. I don't know. I don't know what's going in the back of, what's going on in Jimmy's head when they're having that conversation from a schematic standpoint, if that even gets brought up, but Cincinnati runs a three, three, five, right? Jimmy's primary is a three, four. Can you adjust to that? Maybe fickle has already said he is adaptable. He said that in his press conference as well. 
Um, he is willing to have that conversation with Jimmy to maybe does it work out? Maybe if it doesn't, we shouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. Tyler made another good point. If Jimmy leaves, I fully kids recruits are being told right now, or these kids don't think with just like pure emotion. But I, I think kid, people need to also realize like if you're a kid and you're committing to like a school, like you're expecting that these coaches to be around for your whole career, three, four, five, six years to some kids. I think, you know, just, you know, following that bloop, that footprint with being how, um, you know, player friendly, like Wisconsin or what's the coachable players coach, a player's coach, that kind of system uh, within the Wisconsin program, whether it was with Paul Christ or Jimmy Leonard, I think that will ultimately, ultimately play a role with a lot of these kids that I think knock on wood, but I do think a good chunk are going to end up transferring. Uh, unfortunately, but that's just, you know, with being a player's coach, you know, I think that just holds, you know, to a high or not a high standard. It just holds to that kind of like perspective for, you know, some people. So at the end of the day, I would still love to have Jim Leonard as a defensive coordinator. Uh, we gave Fickle 7.7 .7 million or whatever that is. Let's up Jimmy's salary. That's one thing I would also do to sweeten mm -hmm. the deal. If I'm Fickle, if he's really going to take this seriously, like, Hey, can we get my boy Jimmy like two, two and a half mil come back? I know money doesn't solve all the problems here, but, um, and I know your AD kind of seems like he stabbed you in the back, but Hey, let's get you this raise. I would love to have you back. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of shit for two and a half million dollars, Mike. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, but, um, I think I mentioned, I mentioned to you guys too, in the group chat, um, if there's one thing that does kind of worry me a little, little, and when I say little, little, it's that if Jimmy does come back as a D coordinator, I'm a little afraid that there might be a, a little bit of a division in the locker room. Like, all right, Jimmy was just my head coach for literally the last six, seven games, and now he's just got demoted back to D coordinator, which isn't even that much of a demotion. The inner turn, that, that's just not a conversation, but that's the one little thing I'm worried about. However, I'm trying to win it. If Luke Fickle's like, I'm trying to win a championship, I know this guy can get us there. Maybe at the end of the day, it's like, all right, I need you back. So um, would love to have you, Jimmy. But just in case you leave us, good luck. Uh, don't go to Nebraska, please. <laughs> one my one exception. So the last thing I want to say on this is to not basically denounce your fandom if Jim Leonard leaves, followed by, say, Braylon Allen, Nick Herbig, um, mm -hmm and potentially others. If that happens, it's going to be a bummer watching them not wearing Badgers red and white next year. It'll be a bummer. But listen, this is part of what I was getting at when I said I believe this hire means more about McIntosh than Jim Leonard. If those players follow, say, Braylon Allen and Nick Herbig to, to be an example Two years from now, both of them will be in the NFL, and neither of them will be Badgers anyways. Mm -hmm. You know who will still be here is the head coach, assuming he gets two years to figure shit out. This is a more long-term situation than worrying about what's going to happen with Braylon Allen, Nick Herbig, etc. Having that coach is more important 
than having two years of two guys and whoever else. It's it's a harsh reality of the way that college sports is and just sports in general. Mm-hmm. But having that, and I would say it's more important in college than the NFL because the NFL is a little bit more fluid with player movement, but you need to replenish Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So much, like, in such a larger pool of, of players, and you're looking at teenagers. You know, you're not looking at guys that have been in the NFL for five, ten years. Mm-hmm. You're looking at teenagers and finding out who can succeed and within three to four years from there be in the NFL. Mm-hmm from a much larger player pool. So having that coaching and and guys that know what they're doing in these situations, it is more important than retaining some of the guys that are currently here. I agree. Absolutely. All right. What's up, Justin? All right. So let's talk some basketball. Yes. Might be sticking around for basketball or I think I actually am going to get going, actually. But right. Mike's on. going to go play basketball. Give us, give us, <laughs> give us a 60-second thought on the last week of Badger games. Three Badger games, give us 60 seconds, and then go. Uh, okay. So I would say, you know, overall, um, 
game by game, this is going to have to be by committee with any sort of wins that with any and all wins that we get this year at the end of the day. But it starts with our big three. You got Big Steve, Chucky, and T-Wall, right? Yep. There's glimpses of those three showing up in a game. However, it's also been very inconsistent with, with them not showing up, whether it's one, two, all three of them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, the Dayton game, for example, a, fresh, a true freshman got us through that game, got us through that game, a 43-42 with a siegeon. Hit big shots for us. Um, you know, he's been the leading scorer, and I think, in a couple games this year. Um, you see glimpses of T-Wall finally getting it together. Um, and finally, Chucky, he's starting to hit some shots. Um, last night he hit some too, but he got a little careless, but that's another conversation for another time. I saw how pissed he got. <laughs> Point being, I do think at the end of the day, this team has got to be by committee with getting wins. One of the biggest bright spots, if you – something like that does come up in my view, our bench scoring has been 100 times better in comparison to last year. If you recall last year, there might have been seven, eight guys playing, right? We were talking about on previous segments that our bench scoring has been so bad. And Chris Vogt once in a while would have a good game. But other than that, than that it was pretty non-existent. I don't think you could count on more than one hand how many times we had double-digit bench points. Correct. So if there's one call-up that I do like about this team is that if need be, we can go to our bench. However, um, we, we just don't know where it's going to come from yet because we easily are playing right now nine to ten guys a game. Um, and if there's one big call that I think that we are missing right now, I guess Carter Gilmore can do so, so much as the backup big man. But I think in my view, we do not have a legit backup point guard because I mean, I expected Kamari McGee to play a little more this year. He's mm-hmm. not. So maybe there's just a little bit of a development curve there, which is fine, whatever. Um, but you see like guys like Klesman and Isaac Lindsay bringing the ball up. Mm-hmm. You can tell they are not true point guards. That's just my that's my opinion. They're kind um, of guards. You, yep. you can counter anybody can argue with me on that. I just don't think they're true point guards. But that's how you know that's just the situation we have going on now. So I'm looking forward to maybe Kamari can make a, a jump this year and contribute. Great. If not, we're it's got to be by committee somehow, somewhere. We got to get it done. Um, Agreed. But yeah, those are probably the biggest calls so far this season. All right, we appreciate you jumping on with us. And, um, hey, let's see what the Badgers can do now. Yes, sir, I'm excited. Thanks, fellas. You have a good night. Take care. I'm Wisconsin, buddy. (laughs) All right. All right, so let's run through some basketball games, bro. All right, yes, we got a whole bunch of basketball. Six basketball games. All right, let's knock them out. First, give me your power pair and your underrated performer from the Kansas-USC-Wake Forest games. Um, So before we get into that real quick, um, I am going to have a, a point I'm going to make after we get after the, the Wake Forest game. And I have a somatic change that the Badgers need to make. And they could take a page out of the Bucks place. Um, I'm, like, I'm excited for it. So my my UP um, was Chucky. Um, I'm going to start with my UP because he was he started this season very poorly. Um, you could tell that he was kind of putting pressure on himself that like, oh, man, they're looking at me as the man, you know. Um, I, I think he was trying to be Johnny Davis a little bit. He was. He was trying to be an All-American. Right. Um, when he turned the corner in the USC game, that's it, that's that's the game that I'm going to think about that, uh, where he turned the corner. Um, you could tell that he went back to being Chucky Hepburn, yes. and I'm okay with that. 
because yep. I like Chucky Hepburn. I like I his too. game. Um, so my my two players that I picked, I picked Tyler Wall and Connor Cesian. Bro, <laughs> Connor is that kid is a stud, man. Um, there was a there was a tweet. Uh, I don't remember if it was this week or last week, but um, one of the Badgers beat writers tweeted out Connor Cesian. And Gus Bus, Gus uh, Yeldon are literally going to be the most hated duo in the Big Ten. And I am fucking here for it, man. Both those oh, kids got swag. Yeah. Both those kids got game along with their swag. Um, Connor already is just taking big-time shots and making big-time shots. When he develops, and this is the next step in his process, a little bit better of a dribbler where he can create a little bit better off the dribble, he will get stronger too. But and that that that's natural. But when he right. develops his game to be a little bit better of a ball handler, watch out. He's gonna be oh. pulling dribble pull-ups like yeah. Uh this kid's gonna be a stud at the college ranks. We might lose him after next year, I won't lie. Um, but Tyler Wall as well. Literally just his game against Kansas, the the second half against Kansas. Oh. I was just like, Yeah, he's on another planet right now. So <laughs> <laughs> that man was just and he he missed the alley and i'm watching with my stepson he's like how does he miss that i'm like aiden did you not just see how much he ran all the contact right. he's taking and like the, and the this man is giving him is hard too and this guy is giving guts out there man like he's it's heart guts everything that he's got blood sweat everything he was leaving it all on the floor and for that reason i think i'll always love tyler wall so Tyler Wall. I have, I have some points to get to that specifically when we get into the Kansas game, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go. I went with Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall. I have the same three players, but for different reasons. So, Chucky Hepburn, he struggled against Dayton in Kansas, mm-hmm. but for USC and Wake Forest, he's averaging 20 points, three assists, two and a half rebounds, two and a half steals, only one and a half turnovers in those games. That's bad. And in those two games, He's 14 for 31 from the field, which is 45.2%, and 9 9 of 17 on threes in his last two games. That is just shy of 53%. That's very good. (laughs) When was the last time we had a Badger shooting 50% from three? I mean, Connor did this last week, too. Well, I mean, like, in the past. Like, this is a new Badgers that's actually shooting threes well. I don't know. Maybe... I was going to say maybe Gosser. Um, can't think of anybody else. We haven't had a lot of. <laughs> we haven't, say it sucks. We have to think this hard to figure it, it out. It, there hasn't been a lot of super efficient guys. And usually the Badgers, oh God, the Badgers offense, you know, the previous like 10 years is like the slowest pace thing. Like I could start my dinner and my dinner would be done cooking at the five minute mark and the Badgers would have 12 points. <laughs> all right so the other one i have is tyler wall uh he averaged in the last week 18 points 20 of 45 which is 44.4 percent 14 of 16 on free throws mm, that's good 87.5 percent from the free throw line and 7.7 rebounds 3.3 assists and two turnovers the last three games kansas usc wake forest 35 35 31 those are tyler wall's minutes that's a lot of minutes in basketball in college dude's playing almost the entire game yeah 
So now we can start after I do my, uh, let me do my underrated performer. And I have Connor Asijin as my underrated performer, not because his performance was underrated, but because I underrated him. Yeah, 100%. Um, when we were coming in, I was, you know, even in the first couple games of the season, I was like, all right, is Jordan Davis going to be the guy who takes this, this, um, shooting guard position and makes it his because he was playing tough. And I give Jordan Davis credit for that, for playing tough, for getting, getting around the basket, cutting to the basket, going to get offensive rebounds. Um, he's still the better defender than Connor Asijan. I will give him that, but I don't see at this point how you can keep Connor Asijan out of the starting lineup for very long. You can't. You, you're exactly. You're gonna get to a point where you can't. Um, thirteen point three points, four point three rebounds, thirteen of twenty seven on field goals, nine of eighteen on threes in the last three games. Yep, that's another fifty percent three point shooter. Yep. <laughs> on the same team, we have two on the same team. All right. If my man Stephen Crowell starts knocking down the clutch threes like he was last year, like. The Badgers will win some games like the one they lost last night. They'll win some of those games. And the Kansas game. And the Kansas game, which they should have won, which is fucking annoying. But yeah, let's talk about the Kansas game. Now, it was a slow first half for offense. Both teams came alive in the second half, led by Tyler Wall. Um, (laughs) Tyler Wall scored the Badgers' last 14 points in the second half and overtime. He was hooping, bro. He was going crazy. Yeah, he was. And you see him flexing, running down the court. Like, just – okay, this is what I said. And even though the Badgers lost this game, is that Tyler Wall wanted that game more than anybody else. Easily. You can see the heart. You can see the heart. He wanted that game more than anybody else on the floor. And he Mm -hmm. showed it. So, Tyler Wall finished with 23 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 steals. Yeah, he was he was the best player on the floor that day. <sighs> Damn. We had this conversation last week about who we think the Badgers' best player is, and I think Chucky's really, really close to Tyler Wall. He needs just, like, one more aspect to his game, and one of the things I brought up was consistent three-point shooting. So, like, right now, like, I think we're almost getting into a fight, but it's not a fight, like a fist fight. It's like one of those things where like you get the running back room with the Badgers and this guy doing something better than you makes you want to push harder. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps making you want to build on top of it. I'm hoping that's what we get with Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall. They keep driving each other to be better. And then you got guys coming along with them. So <clears throat> the other guy that I want to give credit to in this game, because I'm sure you're going to talk about Connor Asijan, I want to give Max Klesmit a bunch of credit for the Kansas game. That game was 45 minutes long. Max Klesmit played 43 minutes. Damn. Mm-hmm. He scored 13 points on four of six shooting, two of three behind the three-point line. To have the energy to make shots playing 43 out of 45 minutes, like – Dude, Mike, my heart is tired just thinking about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, just thinking about it makes my legs hurt. But Tyler Wall and Max Klesman were definitely two of the biggest things that stood out to me from that game, the Kansas game. Um, what stood out to you? So, because you brought up Max and you brought up Connor, I'll say this. Connor is going to get the more, more of the 
the clout or the social media following. He's going to be a social media star because his game is smooth. The jumper is mm-hmm. is, is smooth as butter. It's He'll super score quick. More too. He will. The thing that I'm going to say about Max Klesman that I appreciate is that man was straight up born from the grit factory. Oh, yeah. Straight up out of the grit factory. He will go get a rebound. He will dive on the floor. To me, he's the Badgers version of uh, our boy from the Bucks. Who do you think I'm thinking of? Pat Connaughton. I see a lot of Pat Connaughton qualities. Can I be real with you? Who do you think? Don't say I kind of want to say Drew Holiday. Nope. Nope. I knew if you were going to be crazy. Listen. Just crazy. listen. Just listen. He's he's undersized. So, like, Drew Holiday has that size that allows him to guard, like, one through four. Like, Klesman, I would trust one through three. Okay. So, but, you know, the way that he's up and, like, his switching and his IQ, which is something we talked about last week, too, like, I I think he means more to the Badgers than Pat Connaughton means to the Bucks. if I'm being honest with you. The reason I said Pat Connaughton, and you went absolutely insane by saying Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday freaking is a phenomenal passer that nobody talks about. I will give you that. That's a and good point. he finishes at the rim with both hands on a consistent basis. I Mac still don't know if he's left or right-handed. The the man is a, is a bucket is what Drew Holiday is in my opinion. Um, I I will I will. He can get there. He doesn't finish with the left, but he gets to the rim. He does. He does get there. And I was going to say that about Chucky when we get to the you know when we start going through all these games. I was going to say if that man learns how to finish at the rim, like on a consistent basis, like he could be a problem. Like Chucky could be a problem if he mm-hmm. like consistently finishes. And, like, I know his three-pointer, like, I agree with you 100% because we need more than one or two guys hitting threes. And especially right. a guy that brings up the ball in the new age of basketball, your point guard almost has to be able to shoot and control the offense. Right. Like, that's just right. how it works. Kind of like with quarterbacks, you have to be able to, to run quarterback design runs, quarterback powers, and be able to run the ball and throw the ball. That's kind of where the quarterback position is going. And yep. we're going to get some of those in the Wisconsin W pretty goddamn soon, I think. But – uh, yeah, dude. Oh, imagine that behind a couple three hundred pulling three hundred pounders. Yeah, absolutely uh, that. Um, I do. We didn't give Jack Nelson credit. credit for getting way out ahead of some of the runs. We do. He was he was good. I I actually have some stuff uh, when we get to the Packers show about about some linemen. Um, I bet you I have do. Some, I have some shout outs to give out. But in this stuff. this Kansas game. It started a trend that I did not like, and that's the offensive rebounds we gave up. Mm. Obviously, we lost because of an offensive rebound, but giving up 14 yeah. offensive rebounds to Kansas. God. I will say our assist to turnover ratio versus what we gave up was actually pretty goddamn good this this, this run I want to say something about the assist. The Badgers don't turn the ball over ever, but the Badgers made 24 made field goals. 10 assists. Yep. Steven Crowell was the leading assist guy for the Badgers with three. That's like, I get the wall had a lot of isolation in the second half, but still. 24 main field goals and 10 assists. Yeah, that's a great ratio. I agree with you on that. Um, I did. I I loved our assist to turnover ratio, and you brought up the field goals. That's a great thing. Um, 
Uh, the only the only last thing I got is uh, Tyler Wall announced that he is a grown man. <laughs> um, I just want to throw out a Seijin's field goals um, to finish six of 12, 17 points and five rebounds. Like he he mixes it up in the rebounding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that Kansas game? No, we showed that we could play with the big dogs. I'll say that. That's yeah, that's very valid. I really thought the Badgers, like, I'm not gonna lie, I thought the Badgers were gonna be ranked this week. Uh, so did I. But after beating right. after beating USC and losing to one, losing by one to Kansas in overtime on a buzzer beater in a game they technically should have won in regulation. Yeah, let's not get into that though, because that'll just make us both angry. <laughs> I know, I'm just throwing it out there. But I mean, like, for those to be the Badgers games in the last week and they beat number twenty four Dayton. On Wednesday, mm-hmm. I really thought the Badgers were going to be like 24th. They'll get there. They will. And and I know, like, I'm going to keep saying this. Like, I think the Badgers are going to get there, and they're going to get swiftly knocked back out once they start getting into some really tough Big Ten games. But I do think that Kansas game gave me a little more confidence that they'll be able to win some of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they'll exceed my my win production or my win total of, of 19 or 20. Um so let's go into the USC game. What did you see from the third place game on that? USC is an interesting team. They have some shooters. They have some athletes. Um, but we forced more turnovers than gave up assists to USC, who had 14 turnovers and 12 assists. Um, did you look at you? you do it in Dayton? Because I, I, I wrote it down after we did the show last week because I wanted to make sure I had everything. They had 17 turnovers and six assists. Yeah. No wonder they only scored 42 points. Dayton. Right. They made listen to this about Dayton, just real quick. They made 16 shots. They had more turnovers and field goals made. We fucked them up, dude. Oh my god. I bet you they were doing freaking suicide just all day, every day for the next oh four god, days. Right? Holy shit. That's so the- yikes. The two things I wanted to say. First of all, I said this before. This is the game that Chucky turned the corner. Yep. We gave up double-digit offensive rebounds again. Don't like that trend. We forced more turnovers than gave up assists. Love that. And we only gave up six free throw attempts. So defending without fouling. That's now, a really good point. I talked about the Badgers can take some from the Bucks. The Bucks can take some from the Badgers. One of the things I'm going to talk about with the Bucks is learning to defend without the fouling because Jesus goddamn Christ. But – after we get to the Wake Forest, I will make my point what the Badgers can take from the Bucks. But those are my those are my three things that I'm taking away from this. If I had to see one more damn phantom whistle in that Bucks Mavericks game, I was gonna lose my shit. That's the superstar effect of the NBA, though. Spencer Dinwiddie does not get the superstar effect. He's dribbling at half court. Wesley Matthews like reaches out towards him, doesn't even touch him, but gets a foul call, and then he gets a take foul for it. Stop. Stop. All right. <laughs> so Badgers defense just suffocating early in this game. Mm-hmm. Chucky got off to a good start. It was good to see him seeing the ball go in. So Ellis, USC's best player, comes out with fouls at mm-hmm. 441. USC's up 30 to 24. Uh, Jordan Davis scores five straight points. The Badgers go on a 7-0 and run. Um, in a minute and 30 seconds. So a minute and 30 seconds, USC goes from up six to down one. 
The Badgers yeah. finished the half on a 12 to 4 run. Second half. Bro, Tyler Wall hit a Euro step and I fucking lost it. Like the fact that Tyler Wall broke out a Euro step. I was done. I'm I'm done. Like Tyler Wall's a G. I love Tyler Wall. So I love Tyler Wall. Um Tyler Wall finished with 14 points, nine rebounds, three assists. Connor Seijin, 12 more points, four more rebounds. Now, we mentioned Tyler Wall, or not Tyler Wall, sorry. Tyler Wall is good on defense. Connor Seijin is going to need to improve on defense. Now, I wrote down some things that I think he can do to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to need to get stronger, which will take some time, but he'll get there. What I want to see from Connor Seijin is I want to see him get lower. Okay. Get lower on defense. It seemed like a lot of times... Um, especially when he was on the weak side, which is obviously, you know, a little bit different. But seeing him standing straight-legged, almost looking stiff sometimes. Yeah. So I want to see him lower, um, do the drill where, like, a coach puts the tennis balls behind your knees and you got to stay low. You stand up and you drop tennis balls and you got to run. Like, something like that. Keep Connor Seijin low. Obviously, he's, he's not a big guy, but... Being in that low athletic stance to be allow him to stay in front of guys, um, I think that's something that Connor Seijin could do to potentially help his defense. So that was one other thing that stood out to me um, from the USC game. Um, so is there anything else you want to see um, from, or anything else you want to say about the USC game? I'll say that they started to shoot a little bit better, which was uh, definitely a sight for sore eyes. Um, so if they can couple their defense with a higher shooting percentage, I think that's something that will lead to more wins for sure. That's a good point. All right, let's talk about Wake Forest, last night's game. Uh, this game was frustrating because Chucky was cooking and so was the guy he was guarding. Um, that sucked. Um, we gave up nine offensive rebounds. Um, so I added the Dayton game in there because it was all in one tournament. So I added the four games together of offensive rebounds. They gave up 44 offensive rebounds in four games. That hurts. We grabbed 29 offensive rebounds. Or we we grabbed 29 offensive rebounds. So that disparity right there, the thing that I've been waiting to say, the Badgers, you know, for a team that doesn't shoot the best percentage and doesn't turn the ball over, I think, you know, they usually look for one shot. And it's, it's, it's a grind to play against the Badgers. The thing that they oh. could take away from the Bucks is attacking the offensive boards. I think. Um, I know that their That's defense. That's a new thing for the Bucks too. That's something they really started emphasizing just this season. It is, and that's something that you know me and you have mentioned, and we love it because you know mm-hmm. a team that with as many athletes as the Bucks, as many shooters as the Bucks, getting that two for a dollar, as you know, Hoopers say, um, that's definitely something that that could could be big in the end. And we've lost a couple close games this week. Games that I think that. You know, if one player that or two plays changes, we could definitely win. That could all change by attacking the offensive rebounds and putting that pressure on them. Let me throw something else into that. Let me add something to that. What's that? So this is this applies for the Bucks and the Badgers. Um, the Bucks mm-hmm. a little bit more because of how good they are defensively, which we are going to talk about. The Badgers have guys that can play good defense. The Badgers are a good defensive team, so you can you can get into some. 
four on three situations and still feel good about, you know, not giving up a wide open layup. Mm-hmm. I think you can, you know, I'm not saying you want to put yourself in disadvantageous situations, but like, I think the Badgers can afford to with their defense. I agree. I saw last, I don't remember which game it was exactly, but um, Carter Gilmore had a two on one. He was back on defense and he got a stop by himself. Mm-hmm. That is one of the reasons that I think we should attack the old boards more is because of our defensive principles. Um, yeah. I think just forcing the issue every once in a while, being the attacker instead of being attacked is definitely a mindset that all Wisconsin teams could take into consideration because too many times we're on the defensive, you know, in this state with our sports team. So the one team that is a hundred percent, we're going to come at you. Who is it? It's the Bucks. It's the Bucks. <laughs> and who is the best team in this state? It's the Bucks. The Bucks. So if you guys want to learn from the Bucks, you guys can be offensive and be defensive. I understand players matter, but at the end of the day, the Badgers get enough talent. I believe this team has enough talent, enough shooting. We definitely have enough defense. Um, mm-hmm. So say we get Connor on a three-pointer, and you know this for being a shooter. You you shoot it, and you're like, ah, man, I went a little short. You get that oh, second opportunity, you know them how that motherfucker felt coming off your hands, I, right? I brought it up. Don't I gave me. you the exact stat. That yeah. on three-point misses, um, a second shot – off of a missed three is 52%. Yeah, man. That two for a dollar is a real thing. <laughs> it's a real That's thing. crazy. It is. But 52% on a second chance on a same possession. Just because, like, shooters shoot. They yep. Like, these guys are shooting, like, 500 to 1,000 shots every day. If a guy shoots his shot, he knows what's going to be off. Yep. Like, he That's... knows. He's like, you know, I leaned this way a little bit or – you know, I didn't flick my wrist when I had my follow through, like whatever it is, like guys know what it is. And a lot of times, you know, especially in college, guys will leak out and leave their guy. That guy could be wide open for a three feet set, feet under him, you know, elbow in. I mean, shit. I, I just think a couple more opportunities for Wisconsin could really, really tilt this season another way. I wrote down rebounding for the Wake Forest game as well, because the batters were all rebounded 33 to 23. Yeah, that's, And that's, yeah, that's gross. And this is something super nitpicky just because he's been so good for the Badgers this year. But I'd like to see Tyler Wall take a little more consistent ownership on rebounding. Mm -hmm. So he's averaging seven rebounds a game this year. But um, he's got three games this season where he's got five or less. The Badgers as a team have been out-rebounded in two of those three. The one that they weren't was South Dakota State. Hmm. So I had that um, Appleby from Wake Forest just dude went crazy. He was hooping. dude made eleven out of sixteen field goals. Yeah, he was balling, man. Give credit where it's due, right? Like, dude, when guys are hitting like the between the leg dribble, like shoot and kind of fade off to the side, but there's like a super high arc on it, and that shit's going in, like. Yeah. Sorry. Dude's cooking. Like, yeah, it is what it is, man. And you never know when that night's going to be, uh, but it could be against you. It, it is what it is. And it sucks because, like, I feel like Trey Young has those games against the Bucks like, all the time. God. That's because Trey Young's one of those guys that he knows that people are watching him against the Bucks. 
because the Bucks are one of the best teams in the league. So he's like, I got to turn up for this game. Right? Well, especially with Drew Holiday defending point guards and stuff like that. Right, right. And you know what? At the end of the day, the Bucks end up winning more games. So go ahead and shoot and make right. as many shots as you want, Trey Young. So I'm uh, I want Trey Young score 40 every time if it means the Bucks win. Like, I don't give a shit. If 100%. you're shooting from the logo, like, go ahead. I will let you shoot from the logo all day. Mm-hmm. That is the lowest percentage shot you're going to shoot. Yeah, if it goes in, well, whatever. Shoot another one because that one's not going in. You're not making back to back. Like I will let <laughs> I will go ahead and let you shoot from a spot that you shoot thirty percent from. Agreed. <laughs> All right. The other thing, Chucky Hepburn, he played a great game. He really did. He set a career high with threes with six. Um, he did not finish well. the The very last percentage, like the last possession, don't. Don't try to put the game in the ref's hands. Just don't, especially when the refs were questionable all night to begin with. But even still, even if the refs are on your side, don't put the game in the ref's hands. Put it in your hands. He took that awkward try to draw a foul three from just inside half court with about five seconds left on the clock. You mentioned the Badgers have some some better shooters this year. I mentioned I threw out the name Stephen Crowell, who's hit clutch threes a whole bunch of them last season. Connor Sejan is hitting tons of threes this season. Um, you know, like Tyler Wall's not a trusted guy from three, but Tyler Wall's a guy that wants to win. So, I mean, if it's a crunch time situation and you're talking about Chucky Hepburn throwing up a shot from 35 feet or, you know, Tyler Wall wide open, like I'll take the Tyler Wall shot just because it's a better shot. Bottom line, there's five seconds left on the clock when you cross half court. That's enough time to get a good shot. I would have liked to see crawl screen for Chucky and then immediately go screen for Connor. And then you have three yeah. options right there off the off those those back-to-back screens of guys that I trust taking that shot. Um, even yeah. though Crowell isn't making many threes so far this year, but he is capable, like you said. So I would have liked something like that isolation on on you know the side that they shoot the better percentage on make it happen that right. way. I would have liked to see that, but you know you hope that they just learn from this experience. That's all you can do. Yeah. Um, going to kind of end this with a bummer stat, but Wisconsin hasn't beat Wake Forest since 2005. That's weird. It was actually it's exactly 17 years from last night was November 29th, 2005. Oddly oh. enough, those 17 years, it's only been four games that those matchups have have accounted for. That makes so sense. basically we play Wake Forest once every four years and haven't beaten them since 05. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm not too upset about it. It's a November basketball game. It's one game. of those things. Like, yeah. That's all, all right. right. So – Badgers have two games between now and next Wednesday. They play Marquette on Saturday, who just beat the shit out of Baylor last night. They did. They were up by 31 at one point. This is unranked Marquette against number six Baylor, just beating the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. And then the Badgers play Maryland on Tuesday. Um, so going forward, what are you looking for from the Badgers? And then give me a record prediction. Oh, if they lose the Marquette, I'm going to be upset. I want to say in our friends group, I was ahead of everybody because I always hated Marquette. 
I was ahead. I know you still don't, but I was ahead of everybody, and everybody followed me. So fuck you, Marquette. You did play very, very good last night, though. I was watching that game for a while, and they were they were destroying. They're gonna have the Badgers are gonna have to beat the press. Um, and Marquette is very athletic. Um, athletic. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say they're gonna go one on one. I do think that they probably lose the Marquette, which is gonna suck. But um, I want to see consistency from our big three, like Mikey said. And I hate to say this. I need Stephen Crowell to to be a little tougher inside. Like you talked about rebounding, and I agree with Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall can, is a very capable rebounder. He can go in there. I need Stephen Crowell to be a fucking seven footer. Okay. I, I need want, him to get in there and go grab the goddamn ball when I need a rebound. And you know what happened at those times last season when we needed that? Yeah. Chris Vogt got put in. That's true. Um, and we don't have that. So Stephen Crowell, and this was something I brought up in the primer, is that I was hoping to see a stronger version of Stephen Crowell. Mm-hmm. It's I've seen like three flashes of it this season where he's actually like backed a couple guys down and gotten some some jump hooks from really close to the rim. But yeah. I can tell you on one hand, it's it, that's probably about the number of times that I've seen it. So he's I want to a... see that strength from Stephen Crow because, like I said, I wanted to see him become the next in the in the line of of good Wisconsin big men. Agreed. He has the he has the ability, but he's he's holding himself back. Go get it, bro. Go get it. Yeah. Assert yourself. Play with some. Play with your chest. Yeah. Just, agreed. Yeah. So I'm also gonna say one and one. Um, you know, we'll see. The Badgers have the capability to win both of these games. Yep. And I think we're going to be in a situation where, you know, probably outside of maybe, I don't know, Illinois, like the Badgers are going to have the capability to win every single game they play this season. I mean, Purdue is pretty pretty good this year. Too. I'll give you Purdue because, yeah, Edie's a monster. And they just He's like a real monster. Yeah, they, they were like destroying Gonzaga. If you <laughs> – if you go and rewatch Space Jam, like Edie is the blue monster. <laughs> the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> tell me he doesn't look like that though. A little bit. A little look bit. Look in the face and tell me he doesn't look like the blue monster. Poor Sean Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Sean All Bradley. Right. <laughs> you got to be in a movie, so you got that. Is there anything else you want to say about the Badgers, and we'll get into the Bucks. Nope, I'm ready. All right, give me your power pair and your underrated performer from the Bucks. All right, so my power pair—I mean, the first guy—he's—he's he's the best. Any guesses? Any anybody? Bueller? Giannis, anybody? Giannis out at a combo. I mean, 36, 38, 30. Those are his points. The man is on a hot streak again. Um, if it was up to me. And people are starting to talk a lot about Steph for the MVP. And obviously a lot of people are talking Luca. I mean, Steph is second in points per game. I'll just leave it at that. But um, I don't know why people just, you know, just, you know, go right over Giannis. I'm like, you know, I was, I was listening to having Tatum and Luke or um, Tatum, Jokic, Embiid, any of those guys above Giannis right now is just wrong. Yeah. Just stop. The only guy I will listen to about, is Luca because he literally is the Dallas Mavericks. Right. Um, Luca is number one for me right now, bro. He, I was watching uh, that 
Warriors and uh, Mavericks game last night talking about uh, Curry and Luka. Dude, Luka was dropping some crazy dimes, except the Mavericks were not making them. Um, so anyways, dude, he he threw like a behind-the-back pass to Tim Hardaway, and Hardaway had nobody on him, dude. And Luka was getting double-teamed. I was like, boy, you better make this shit. I bet your ass so fucking fast, dog. Dude, it was right here. I was like, bro, that's right in the shooter's pocket. How the fuck did you not make that? But anyways, Tim Hardaway Jr. is kind of a bum in my opinion. He plays hard, but eh. um, I used to like him a little bit more, but he's he's regressing. Yeah, ever since Giannis put his dick print on his forehead, it's kind of been downhill for him. I'll say that. <laughs> Sorry, had to go there. I have that photo. <laughs> um, Giannis averaged 34.6. Terrible. Oh, my God, I'm going to hell. 10.3 and 5.6 assists. He shot 39 of 66 for 56%. He was a plus 36 in three games for the plus minus. Yeah. Uh, my next guy is Brooke Lopez. I don't mm. know what else we can say about this guy. This guy is just a monster. Uh, There's one 13, more thing you can say about him. I will. 13.6 right. points. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a legendary photo, Justin. Uh, five rebounds. He averaged he averages over three and a half blocks in these games. He had a game mm-hmm. where he had six fucking blocks, and mm-hmm. he also added in two steals. Um, he was sixteen to twenty six. That's sixty two percent on field goals. Seven to twelve on threes. That is a fifty eight percent clip, and he was a plus thirteen in these three games. So, the one thing I'm going to say about Brooke, this man needs to be in the talks for Defense Player of the Year. Yes, he does. Let's just say what it is, man. Um, he is controlling everything. And the one in if his teammates' endorsement isn't enough, I don't know what it is. But every interview you do with a player on the Bucks, this mm-hmm. is including Giannis, they mm-hmm. all talk about funneling the def- funneling the offensive player to Brooke. Funnel it to Brooke. Funnel it to Brooke. And for Brooke to understand that and still block their shots is amazing to me. And he still doesn't get enough credit for how good of a fucking box out player he is dude he is phenomenal I, at oh my god it made me mad because i saw somebody complain that he's big and doesn't get a lot of rebounds it's like do you not understand that brooke lopez understands his role better than you can ever understand how basketball is played hmm, let's see i explained uh, this Go ahead. I'm about, to, I'm about to go on a rant, so you say your stuff first. So let, let, let's think of it this way. Hmm. Brooke can get the rebound and throw it to Giannis, which gives the defense an extra second to, you know, you know, collect themselves. Or he could just be like, here, Giannis, you just take it and get to the other side in two dribbles. Um, <laughs> um, it's pretty simple. Two plus two always equals four. Just going to say that. Except in this situation, one plus one equals three because you save two seconds every time Giannis grabs the ball instead of Giannis or instead of Brooke grabbing it and giving it to Giannis. Ditto. You save time by your ball handler catching a rebound and going versus your big man catching a rebound and outletting. Agreed. That's such a simple thing to understand. I explained it last season that Brooke Lopez boxes out. Not only does it keep their opponent from getting a rebound, your opponent's biggest guy from getting rebounds, mm-hmm. but it also helps jumpstart your transition offense. Brooke isn't out here trying to get rebounds. Brooke's out here trying to make everybody else's jobs easier and shoot threes. 
I mean, he can get rebounds. That's not an issue. I've seen Brooke mix it up and go get a goddamn board. Right. I mean, he's but he's an Easter Island man, but you know, <laughs> so he can if he wants to move people, he will. Hey, he'll he'll move them. <laughs> um. Last thing on Brooke Lopez is, you know, you mentioned all the guys saying, you know, we funnel to Brooke, we funnel to Brooke. The other thing I hear a lot of guys say is, you know, playing defense on the perimeter or you know just playing defense in general. A lot of guys say it's a peace of mind knowing that you have Brooke back there. Yeah. Is what a lot of the guys say. So those are the, that's the last thing I want to say on Brooke. My power pair for the box is obviously Giannis. He was actually named Eastern conference player of the week. I'm surprised you didn't throw that out there. Um, well, I believe something for you. I said, all I, that. I suppose. <laughs> um, Giannis has also tied his career streak of, 30-plus points and 55%-plus field goal shooting at four games in a row now. So I wanted oh. to throw that out there. Um, my second one is Bobby Portis because I talked about him last week, the week before. Like I wanted to see him start getting his, um, his efficiency numbers back up. He had a couple mm-hmm. rough shooting games, and now he's getting better with that. Um, just under 13 points a game and 10 rebounds a game. Giannis and Bobby Portis are tied for a second in the NBA in double-doubles. They both have 11. They're tied for second with like six other guys. But mm-hmm. the difference is Bobby Portis is 123rd in minutes played per game. Tied for second in double doubles. 123rd in minutes. That man would be averaging like 15 rebounds a game if he was a starter. He'd be all right. I'm gonna say it like this. If he was playing, say 32-ish minutes a game, he'd be Kevin Garnett with all the defense. I could see that. A little midi. Tough. I see that. He'd be like 21 and 15. Yeah, I'm with that. <laughs> That's monster. <laughs> That's from like your sixth man. Bro, and God, Celtics fans are just exhausting. They really think they have the deepest team in the league. Do they understand that Bobby? They might. All right, listen. Them currently healthy, the Bucks currently not healthy, might have the deepest team in the league. When January rolls around, it's not even close. No. I agree. Not even close. The Bucks are about to fuck some shit up. <laughs> the fact that the Bucks currently can still go like nine deep on a regular basis and get contributions out of George Hill and Sergi Baca and once in a while Jordan Wara and Marjan Bochamp as a rookie, like – Cool. Oh, yeah. By the way, that team has uh, – I'm just going to throw this out here now. The Bucks have four guys in the top ten in defensive win shares. Giannis is number one. Drew is number two. Grayson Allen is number five. Brooke Lopez is number seven. This is, this is nasty. Bucks have five in the top 12 in defensive rating. Oh, Giannis is number one. 
Brooke is number four. And then Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, and Bobby Portis are all in the top 12 of defensive rating. Man. Dude, I cannot wait for Christmas Day to shut up the Boston fans. Ugh. Javon Carter is my underrated performer. Uh, he only scored two points against Chicago, but he scored 18 versus Cleveland and was the yeah, – Tim loves that. Scored 18 against Cleveland. He was the Bucks' second-leading scorer in that game. And then 14 against Dallas, including some cold-blooded shots. He hit some nasty shots in that game. End of the game, there's like two minutes and 14 seconds left, I think. And he's got Davis Bertans like running in circles. Like he caught the ball on the three-point line. He dribbled towards the left with his right hand, did a single-hand crossover, got to like the elbow, dribbled behind his back, stepped back, and hit a mid-range jump shot. Yeah, Dude, he's gross. Standing in circles, he didn't know where Javon Carter was. <laughs> then he gets a steal. This was in the first quarter. He gets a steal. I, I think it might have been off of Luca actually, because Luca had four turnovers in the early goings against in the Dallas game. Gets a steal. Twenty seconds on the shot clock. Runs up, pulls a three from the top of the key, and straight cash. Yeah, he's falling in love with that pull up three. Well, that's Javon Carter. That's our, like our fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup. Yeah, usually, usually Chris is the guy that does that on this team. But if we can mm. have two guys with that ability, and then you have Giannis who can just go in against five, your entire team and dunk on you, yeah, that's terrifying. And <laughs> and Drew Holiday and his unstoppable step back, right? And then and then you get into the secondary breaks with Brooke and Bobby. Good and God, Bobby, this team yep. is the deepest in the league. It's not close. I'm sorry. It's, it's really not. Uh, on the Chris Middleton front, he might be back as early as Friday against the Lakers, which would be cool. Um, but let's start with the Bucks and the Bulls. Let's get this ugly game out of the way. 30 fundamental failure points in this game. 17 points off turnovers is the worst of it. Um, only seven second chance points and six missed free throws. Um, Wesley Matthews is back for this game. He was doing good on defense early, not so much late. DeMar DeRozan kind of took this game over, but – um, Brooke Lopez had 11 points in the first quarter, 16 points in the first half. Um, the Bucks basically bet on the Bulls' weakness for this game was what yep. it came down to, yep. uh, which is three-point shooting. The Bulls overcame it. You give credit to them. The Bulls were 29th in three-point attempts per game at 29.3. They took 42 threes in this game. They did. Um, <clears throat> they were 13th in percentage at 36.6% as a team, and they made 42.9%. Yep. So I give credit to the Bulls for doing what they don't do well, well. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me from this game was the Bucks did well on Zach Levine. I don't know what it is, Hick. He can't have good games against the Bucks. It feels yeah, like. he, but, the, but to counter that, DeRozan does play good against us. Yes, except for yeah. in the playoffs. He had the one game, and that's kind of – that's kind of what them. I went back to when I looked at this. I was like, this was the one loss in the playoffs. It's the one. Yeah. It's it, it is. And it took them hitting 18 fucking three-pointers for that to happen. Yeah. Um, Zach Levine made three out of 11 three-point attempts. Yikes. He was, he was six for 17 on the night. He scored 18 points on 17 shots. All right, and for all the people that love Allen Iverson, welcome to the stat line. Oh, <laughs> oh he crossed this. a guy over. <laughs> Shut listen up. Listen to this. Allen Iverson's overrated. Zach Levine defended by Javon Carter. One 
for seven. Bro, you might have to make a new meme. You might have to make a new meme. Javon Carter and Grayson Allen. <laughs> <laughs> if Javon Carter scored more points in this game, I would. No, um, we could say one's the offense, one's the defense. That's fair. I'll give you that. Um, the offensive guy in this game was Giannis. I mean, God. 36 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. The turnovers are where it gets Giannis. Giannis had 8 turnovers. Yeah. Uh, Bucks had a lot of turnovers. Brooke Lopez had 20 and 7. Um, Drew Holiday had 9 points, 7 assists, or sorry, 14 points, 11 assists. Only took 6 shots. Drew Holiday needs more shots. I agree. Even when Chris comes back, he needs to shoot more than 6 shots a game. I agree. Uh, Grayson Allen scored 13 points, and then George Hill added 10. What stood out to you from the Bulls game? So I already gave part of my answer. It took 18 three-pointers to, to win this game. So a couple plays that I liked um, or that I saw that really had a big impact on this game. First of all, Giannis Mean Mug. Giannis, you, you don't not like Giannis Mean Mugs, right? It started with a pick and roll with Drew. And Drew does, does this a lot, actually, where he rejects the screen. He goes the opposite way. And it kind of puts the big man guarding Giannis at a, in a weird position. And because of that, he's playing so far up to kind of extend that. They were playing extended defense to push Drew out to take away our timing. Drew, a very smart player, and uh, like I said, a great passer, bounces a pocket pass to Giannis and – after that, it's fucking showtime, right? He two-hand slams. <laughs> looks like Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm just like, goddamn, right? It's one of those plays. <laughs> um, play two was the Bulls made three straight threes to win. It took three straight hero ball shots to win this game. Two of them by White, one by Vucevic. That's not going to happen all the time. I saw a lot of Bucks fans upset after this game. We can't beat the Bulls, Blah, whatever. It is what it is. It took some amazing shit for, for them to win a game. The first win in Milwaukee since 2017. A lot of shit has happened since 2017, man. I mean, yeah. Jesus. Um, yeah, back when it was the Bradley Center. Yeah, man. I mean, in the world in general, a lot of shit's changed in 2017. Um, but, again, the Bulls made 18 threes. We had 20 turnovers. You add those two things together, you're not winning a lot of basketball games like that, right? God, so, I hate that turnovers. That's like, oh, that's the yeah, biggest thorn in my side about the Bucks. They turn the ball over so much. Yeah. Ugh. So one thing I wanted to point out this week was, was fouls. And the Bulls uh, had 20 fouls. The Bucks had 17. Um, I will have a stat for fouls per game uh, for the Bucks, and, this. you know, per game uh, when we get to the Mavericks game. But, yeah. Making shots and then turning the ball over and not capitalizing, that'll definitely hurt you no matter who you are. All right. Bucks, Cavs. Now, listen to this. How many times, like, and I get that not every Wisconsin sports fan watches our show, and they should because we've said this <laughs> shit. It feels like a thousand times. Stop making posts complaining about the result of a game before the game is over. If you didn't learn that in the Boston series, you got another thing coming. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, the, how many times does the Brewers do it this year? The right. Bucks literally did it to Brooklyn like a month ago. Yeah. They were down 15 at halftime. They're down 11 at halftime to Cleveland. This is the second straight matchup with Cleveland that they scored 60 in the first half and were held to. Oh, man. 
28 total in third quarters. Total! In two third quarters, Cleveland has scored 28 points against the Bucs. Eek. Mike Budenholzer has their number. Yes, he does. Oh. This game revolved around the third quarter. Bucks went from down from down 11 to up 14. Think about that. <laughs> Drew scored 5 of his of his 9 points in the third quarter in the first minute and a half. Jeez. He scored Giannis scored 11 in the third quarter. Uh, Brooke Lopez hit the two threes that he made in this game in the third quarter. And Bobby Portis scored half of his 14 in the third quarter. <laughs> the other thing that stood out to me from this game, Giannis was 10 of 14 on free throws. So the Bucks as a team missed seven free throws, allowed 19 points off turnovers, which is gross, and 14 second chance points, which is kind of a lot for a total of 40 fundamental failure points. And they still won pretty handily. So, you know, it goes to show that it's not always, you know, a perfect correlation between playing fundamental basketball and winning. Sometimes sometimes you just go smack team in the mouth and just, like, dominate. Uh, the difference, when I mentioned fundamentals, they allowed 10 offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. 13 turnovers isn't awful. But not getting back on defense is awful. True. That's where they get, you know, 19 points off of 13 turnovers. The difference was the shooting. So the Bucks were 42 of 83. That's 50.6%. 15 to 32 from the three-point line. That's 46.9%. Giannis finished with 38, 9 and 6, two blocks. Um, Javon Carter, as I mentioned, was the second leading scorer with 18 points. Brooke Lopez. Six blocks and made all three of his shots, including two threes. And then Bobby Portis had 14, eight, and four assists. Um, Pretty much, I don't know what it is. I don't know if Mike Budenholzer is a wizard when it comes to playing Cleveland, but they have not done well against the Bucs in the second half. So what's the to you from the Bucs in Cleveland? I'll tell you this. Cleveland does not have an enforcer inside that can handle what the Bucks have to throw at you inside. And we don't even have Chris Middleton yet. And Chris Middleton can get a lot of paint points from time to time. Yeah, he's gotten better at that in the last two years. I'm um, glad you brought that up. He definitely is getting – Chris is definitely getting better all around. He's definitely better at finishing. He's getting better at finishing yeah. with the left too. Um, yeah. Thank you, Drew Holiday. Uh, so, yeah, right? <laughs> um, the two plays I wanted to talk about. Fucking Giannis half-court alley. Like, what? Dude, an and-one half-court alley. Dude, that is shit that we used to do in NBA Jam. He's a <laughs> real human. That is uncalled for. And then, he, and then he looked at him like, yeah, little dude. <laughs> like, come on. There's a The only person in the league that's allowed to do the you're too small is Giannis because he could literally make every human look too small. I'm just going to say that. That's um, fair. And then the second play, you brought it up. Brooke had six blocks. And the thing about that is, and I know you're going to bring this stat up, that's like a normal for him almost now. <laughs> that is ridiculous. What is going on in Milwaukee? I don't know. He hit the fountain of youth or something, but holy cow. Um, and you are you are 100% correct. Um, I was going to say the same thing. 
the field goal shooting, um, I feel like the Bucks got some more quality shots. Um, and obviously they finished them. So the third quarter was just insane. Giannis in one stretch <laughs> got that half-court alley. He did a nasty Euro step dunk. And then this motherfucker walks into a three and just decides to make it. Like, <laughs> like tell me you're the best player without telling me you're the best player. You could have put those clips together in a, probably about a, you know, a 45-second clip of just, okay, he dunked it. Okay, he dunked it. Okay, he made a three. And the crowd is into it. And now you pissed off the best player in the world. Yeah, he's feeling himself. I mean, so Jesus. I'm pulling it up. For, for the Brooke Lopez thing that you mentioned from dude, this, dude. I wanted to I wanted to have the exact numbers. I, I am still getting chills at, talking about Giannis Eurostep facial dunk and then pulls up for a three. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> you That's know who ridiculous. he is. Oh my gosh! I always All think right. of uh, the Pete Weber video. You ever seen it? The Bowler. It yes. happened like yeah. 12. He goes, who do you think you are? I am. Whenever I see Giannis just like flex and mean mug after he like does a play, I'm like, yeah, he's thinking of that Pete Weber video for sure. I'm I'm with that. So, I all right, I brought it up. Um, Brooke Lopez, his last four games. <clears throat> um, shoot, I had it. I lost it. Well, I have the last three games If you if you get the game before. Uh, I had it and I lost it. All right. Give me the last three. I'll find the other one. Um, He had one block, six blocks, four blocks. Let me think here. I can get it up real quick. Five. He went five, one, six, four. <laughs> 20 blocks in his last four games. That is just – that's illegal. <laughs> I wrote it <laughs> – I wrote it in an article from the takeaways from this game. And what I wrote was that Brooke Lopez is roaming the paint like King Kong swatting down airplanes. From Dude, the he really is, though. He it really is, though. It's, it's... <laughs> He's just going around in circles and just swatting them all down. Jeez. <laughs> this guy. All right. Let's talk Bucks and Mavericks. Oh, Bucks Mavs. So... The first play I want to talk about is a little bit of X's and O's kind of deal. Um, so we all talk about the Chris and Giannis pick and roll. Uh, clearly the best player in the Bucks playbook. Like, all right, you're our best uh, scorer with the ball in your hands. Uh, you can score in a million ways. And Giannis, you just get the ball and you score in the entire team, including the bench and the assistant coaches. Um, I, <laughs> I would like to throw out that Drew Holiday and Brooke is, could be 1B to that 1A. Um, it doesn't like get it. talked about enough. Um, like obviously it. Drew isn't as consistent, but he could finish at the rim. He could, when he, when he's going and he's making his mid range, Drew holiday is very hard to stop. Um, obviously like he it. has that step back that he can come off a good screen from Brooke and oh my God, his step Drew throws so good lobs to Brooke, man. He does. I don't know what it is. Drew, he knows that Brooke is going to take his one and a half inch vertical and he's just going to have his big giant hands right there. And Brooke's just going to go. Boop. <laughs> yep. And it, it seems to work a lot. So I, I really wanted to talk about that. And then, obviously, the story of this game, I mean, what do you, what was it? You tell me. Shit, what was one? Um, to me, Grayson it was the MVPs head-to-head. Head. That was the story for me. 
Okay. Wow. That was actually a good point. You uh, That was the obvious answer. The thing that became the story of the game was Grayson Allen starting seven of seven from three. You want to know something nasty about that? <laughs> tell me, tell me. That's the that's tied for the most makes in a half without a miss in the last 25 years. That is insane. <laughs> Grayson Allen. That dude's going to be our sixth man in less than a week. <laughs> that's a perfect tie-in. Are you done with Grayson Allen? Because I'm going to say something about him. Yeah, go ahead, man. So I actually just wrote this up today, too. I think the Bucks can use Grayson Allen the way that they would have intended to use Jordan Clarkson if they traded for him. Huh. It's kind of bold, but stick with me. You look at usage percentage, uh, Jordan Clarkson has the ball in his hands constantly. Mm-hmm. His, his usage percentage is over 25%. Grayson Allen is 10th on the Bucks in usage percentage, under 15%. Wow. Now... You look at their per 36 numbers, like Grayson Allen is actually a better field goal shooter, three-point shooter, and free throw shooter than Jordan Clarkson this season. And that's before you get to the fact that Jordan Clarkson is a defensive liability, and Grayson Allen's actually been pretty decent this year defensively. Mm-hmm. So listen to listen to these numbers from Grayson Allen. Catch and shoot three-point percentage, 49.2%. Okay, I'm with you. I'm, I'm Bro, locked his, in right now. His effective field goal percentage on catch and shoots, 73.8%. That's a very high number. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he's, on catch and shoots, he shoots 47.1% from the corners and 44.4% from above the break. Jeez. Just, Bro. Like the Bucks, you mentioned they run a lot of pick and roll. A lot of that is then the other two guys standing on the opposite three-point line and then one guy in the dunker area. Mm-hmm. Get those two guys, whether it be, say, say Drew and Giannis are running the pick and roll. You got Pat in the dunker area and Brooke and Grayson on the three-point line. Have Brooke go set a screen for Grayson Allen coming off towards where Drew is taking the pick from Giannis from the opposite elbow extended. That way, as Drew is driving towards the middle of the floor, he's got Grayson Allen following right behind him, potentially wide open for a three. Because in this Dallas game, Grayson Allen hit some deep threes. Yes, he did. So that's that was something that stood out to me. Like, let's let's toss Grayson Allen out there as if he's Jordan Clarkson. Okay, I'm on board with it. I mean, I think Grayson's been really, really good. And a lot of people, a lot of Bucks fans talking, maybe he just upped his trade value. I don't know. Maybe we uh, maybe hold we on. just see what we got. We hold on to that value. We don't yeah. have to trade him away. I mean, he's on a pretty team-friendly deal. He's only making $8.5 million this year and next year. And he's been on the team, so he understands the offense. He understands the defense. I mean, his second year in the system. So, I mean, why not? Let's at, just keep at this him. Point, at this point, I'm holding him. Yeah, I agree. He's staying here. Um, the other thing with this game is overall, I think the Bucks did a good job on Luca. Yeah, dude's averaging like 33 points a game, and yes, he was 10 of 20 for um, <clears throat> 27 points and 12 yeah. assists. Yeah, but but Luca is 
like far and away the leader in usage percentage. Like him and Giannis are both really high up there, but Luca has the ball in his hands constantly. Yep. There was no point in this game that Luca looked comfortable. I agree. And the other thing I will say with this is that at no point, even though this game was really like the Bucks would pull away and then Dallas would come back and then the Bucks would pull away and then Dallas would come back, at no point did I feel that Luka Doncic was in control of this game. No, I agree with that. So that's that's what stood out to me about the Bucks, you know, containing Luka. Like you're not stopping Luka Doncic. Like the dude's going to get hits. So holding him under his season average – and like I said, his his impact on the game didn't feel that strong to me. Um, and that, I think, is is almost more important than just saying, you know, oh, we need to hold Luka to, you know, under this percentage or we're going to lose. Like, just limit his impact on the game, even though he had 12 assists because dudes were hitting their threes. But you saw mm-hmm. late third quarter, the Bucks started to pull away. Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing that stood out to me. Um, the Bucks only missed four free throws in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but 15 second chance points for Dallas and 17 points off turnovers. Got to box out. You got to rotate on defense better was something that stood out to me from this game. And then you got to get the turnovers down. It's got to, got to get down on turnovers. Um, that's 36 fundamental failure points. It's not egregious by any means, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it just needs to be better. You know, we're still in the first quarter of the season, so, like, Mm -hmm. it's going to get better. But it needs to start getting better. Um, Giannis finished 30 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists in 29 minutes. Dude scored 30 points in 29 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Grayson Allen finished with 25 uh, and um, 5 assists and 2 steals. Brook Lopez finished with 13 points, four blocks. Bobby Portis, Mr. Double Double, 15 and 10. <laughs> now, I want to throw this out here too. <clears throat> George Hill played good defense on Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give him credit for that because even to this day, people still are not giving George Hill credit, even though we're 19 games into the season. They're still complaining about last year's playoffs. Like, George Hill is clearly not the same guy. You can see that he's like the catalyst seems to be his health. Um, healthy George Hill is playing actually pretty solid so far this season. Agreed. The other thing is Dallas cut this game to 86 85, and the Bucks followed that up by going on a 10 nothing run. So it's a game of runs, and the Bucks made them when they did, mm-hmm. uh, made them when they needed to. So we get former Buck Christian Wood, who had a pretty solid game. I think he finished with 21 points. Brooke Lopez blocked four shots. Three of them were on Christian Wood. Yep. <laughs> There's still people complaining about that, which is crazy to me. We wouldn't have Bobby Portis if we still had Christian Wood. I like Bobby Portis. I'll take Bobby Portis. Um, I will... I, I can't say that this will ever be dethroned as my favorite Bobby Portis, but him laughing at Chris Ball. Oh, yeah. The finals, that was amazing. <laughs> so awesome. Like, you can tell Bobby's just feeling himself and he's got the swagger. Like, 
Like you couldn't touch Bobby in that moment. It was so fucking awesome. I'll say, wow, he definitely sunned Chris Paul in that moment because he laughed at him like a little kid. Or when he was high-stepping down the sidelines. That was also a great moment. He got a technical for it, but, like, come on, man. That moment was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, The Bucs have four games between tonight and next Wednesday. Uh, They play the Knicks tonight in New York. They're home against the Lakers on Friday, so getting a home game for Chris Middleton to come back, get him a homecoming, that would be awesome. And then they're at Charlotte on Saturday, and they're at Orlando on Monday. Give me a record prediction for those four games. That's 4-0. The Knicks just played last night. They scored 140 against the Pistons. We're whooping that ass in about six minutes. Um, The Lakers are a mess. Orlando is young, and Charlotte is – Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte is the one game the Bucks for some reason like to struggle every once in a while in Charlotte. So it's probably the one game where if I had to every time we play Charlotte, they hit their franchise record in threes. Every time. Um I will say I wish we had their play by play announcer because that guy is just fucking cuckoo. That dude's made of energy. Imagine him with Giannis. Jesus. (laughs) That'd be fun. That's that's like a match made in heaven. Um I will say that. But that's probably the one game. If I had to pick one, I'd be like, "Yeah, that one's kind of iffy." But not really. The Bucks should win them all. The Bucks should be four zero. Um, they sh- we should be coming on this show, and they should be eighteen and five, six, eighteen, 18 and five, five. Yeah, the Bucks should be eighteen and five when we talk next Wednesday. Yep, I agree. I have them also four and zero, even though three of those games are on the road. <clears throat> it's yep. not a West Coast road trip like the Bucks sometimes struggle with those, but it's an East Coast yeah. road trip, so I think the Bucks are going to be okay with that. Um. Yes. They've had a little bit of rest now because they haven't played since Sunday, so they've had two days off. So I think they're about to get ready and wax the Knicks because I think the Knicks are, even though they're not a great team, I still think they're overrated. I agree with that. Um, It's all because of the media. Two, I would say two of the top five, ten, I'll say top ten. I would say two of the top ten most overrated players in the NBA are on the Knicks. I'd agree with that. Which two are you thinking I'm thinking of? R.J. Barrett. Yep. Right? That's one. And uh, God damn, name. Power forward. Where's number 30? Yep. handed Yep. In the high school dunk contest. I don't care about that. I don't remember his name. I'm blanking. I'm thinking. Because he's hard. overrated. The fact yeah. that people thought he was going to be an Julius MVP Randall. candidate. Yeah. Julius yeah. Randle. R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle are two of the most overrated players in the NBA. Um. The fact that people thought that Julius Randle was going to be an MVP candidate still to this day, like, makes my brain itch. <laughs> you got to be like a Bears fan and reach through your nose so you can itch it. I was thinking going in through the ear because it's itchy up here. So, like, I don't think I'm going, like, up the nose. And to get that spot, it's itchy, like, up here that people wow. thought that Julius Randle was going to be an MVP candidate. Bears fans can do that because their brain is so small. So, they can reach the back of it through their nose. Oh, sure, sure. Just careful not to pull it out when you take the finger out. <laughs> oh, that's mean. The last Bears fan I talked to was actually smart, and that was last Wednesday, but that was that was interesting. <laughs> to say that yeah, that's what I'll call that, too. That was interesting. Yeah. And then the fact that some of the people after that were, were coming at me on Twitter, and it's like, yep, I'm out. Yeah, I don't that. I don't fuck around with trolling. Like I get trash talking once in a while, but when it's just straight trolling, like I'm out. 
I don't have time for that shit. I hear you. All right, man. Well, oh, let's get a Bucks win. Is there anything yep. else you want to throw out there for today? Um, be nice. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. All right. After we were just being dicks about Bears fans having small brains, we're gonna tell you to be nice. <laughs> I mean, I've said it before. I've said it hundred hundred million times. When it comes to sports, I will trash talk. But if we're in the middle, you know, we're trash talking. I find out what kind of person you are. I can be nice to you as a person. Um, sports is just an escape from reality. So uh, be nice in life, I guess I'll say. Be right. nice in life. That's fair. There's, there's, you know, you can separate it because that is one of the things that we're trying to do is to help people apply, you know, some of the sports principles that we're getting at mm-hmm. into life. So, you know, you can, you can be nice to the Bears fan, the person, and still give them shit for being a Bears fan as their sports team. Um, if Jake and I were from Chicago, we could still do this show the same way and still have the positive takeaways despite negative outcomes. Cause we've done that all season with the Packers. Obviously they've won twice as, or, uh, they've lost twice as many games as they've won so far, but like, we're still, this is weird to say, but we're still having fun with football season. Hell yeah, man. And we want to help other people do the same instead of waiting for the team to come save you, save yourself and, and find the positive takeaways, even in the negative outcomes. Agreed. All right, man. Have a good night. All right. Go Bucks. Tim said it too. Go Bucks. Later, Tim. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.